Hello, everyone. My name is Bobby Mitchell, and I welcome you to Movie Changeup, the show where we recast and pitch new versions of movies we love and movies that we love to hate with a little added twist. Today, I will serve as both your host and judge of the two competitors with help from a couple of people here. Uh, before I introduce them, please help us out by subscribing to our channel and liking our video on YouTube, as well as giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. If you're watching live, feel free to leave comments in the live chat, and we'll respond as we go. Um, and now let's get to our competitors and consultant judges today. Um, our first competitor was the judge last week. Uh, please introduce yourself and let everyone know how you're feeling going into this week's themed episode. Yeah, I'm uh, Joe Fricky, and uh, yeah, our theme this episode is Disney Channel original movies, uh, movies that I watched a hundred times growing up, and I haven't watched any of them in like a year. Didn't even watch a trailer, just kind of based my pitches for this completely off memory. Uh, so I'm a little nervous on that if I remembered any of them wrong. Uh, but other than that, I'm feeling pretty good. All right, well, you're in good company because I have seen one of these, I believe. So uh, you don't really need to remember them. Uh, but that's why I have, I have some help tonight. Um, but let's get to our next competitor who has appeared a few times on the podcast and is competing for the second time. Uh, please introduce yourself and let everyone know how you're feeling writing these pitches for the second time. Uh, yes, my name is Alex Gibson. Um, I'm here to uh, avenge my loss from the last time. Uh, I was I thought that this was challenging because we're redoing decoms, but also trying to make them interesting for us now. Uh, so I'm kind of, I think a lot of these I'd, Honestly, won't know how people feel about it until I see Johnny's reaction as he gets drunker. So, yeah, well, you, you don't have to worry too much about that because I am going to be the main judge. I will take Johnny's. <laughs> I'll, I'll take his, uh, you know, his um, ideas, but uh, I'm not going to be as harsh as he is a lot of the time. But yeah, Johnny, everyone should know you by now. But give us a little rundown on how, on how you're doing. You're damn right. I'm Johnny Dupe. I'm the champion of this show. If we had a championship belt, I'd have it. But I'm. Uh, Five and one. It's nice to have a role that is less um, pressure. I don't have to make pitches. I don't have to make rulings. I just have to kind of chime in and uh, maybe give some insight uh, uh, as one of the co-creators of the show um, as far as, you know, rule choices and rule usages and, and casting wise. And I haven't seen one second of a single one of these movies. So I'm coming at it completely blind. Um, so I'm excited for that up until the, live chat we did before this started i thought johnny tsunami was about a dude with like water powers um so i that's my level of knowledge of decoms fair enough and because of that and because we have not seen very many we have one more guest today as you can see in my frame we have my wife who has been in the comments but has not appeared on screen please introduce yourself and let everyone know how you're feeling being on this for the first time hi i'm jen i'm very nervous yeah, but <laughs> I'm never going to talk about things. But I am a Disney Channel junkie. I love watching all the old Disney Channel movies, and I've seen all of these movies. So hopefully, I'll be of help. Some might call her an expert. Yeah, we have one expert on this show, and it's not me or Johnny. Um, but uh, let's give a quick rundown. Uh, everyone, if you're watching this, should know how it goes. But we're going to be Al Joe and Alex are going to be pitching seven new versions of movies with seven rules to apply. Uh, one rule per movie and no rule can be used more than once. Um, I'm going to give a quick rundown of the movies and then Johnny's going to let us know what the rules are for today. Um, so we have Halloween Town from 1998, Johnny Tsunami from 1999, Motocross from 2001, Phantom of the Megaplex from the year 2000, Smart House from 1999, Up, Up and Away from 2000, and Xenon Girl of the 21st Century from 1999. 
Uh, Johnny, you want to give us a rundown of the rules? All right. So um, the rules for this week, uh, one must include Charlie Sheen. Can't wait to retire that one after this episode. We've used that a couple of times. Um, One must include a character made famous by Leonardo DiCaprio. One must have John Rambo, very fitting for a Disney movie. Um, One must be set in the world of the Fast and the Furious. Um, One must be directed by and star only uh, people that were nominated from each category of the 92nd Academy Awards, which was last year's uh, Oscar ceremony. And then um, one must be a Muppet movie. And one must have a cameo by the man himself, DMX. Sounds good. All right. Well, Joe won the toss before this uh, stream started. Um, and he, choose, he chose to do the movie Motorcross. Uh, and he was going to go first. Um, so uh, I'll give you a quick rundown and then we'll get to the pitches. Uh, Motorcross came out in 2001. It does not have a critic score. Um, and it has 76% by audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. It was um, directed by... Steve Boyum, uh, and the plot goes as follows. Andrew is a red-hot motocross rider, and he's just about to enter a championship race that might net him a corporate sponsorship when he breaks his leg. So his twin sister, Andrea, decides to impersonate him so that he won't miss out on the big chance, but not everything goes according to plan. Sounds like a movie. So let's let's hear the... All right. I remembered more than I thought when I was... uh hearing you talk that back. So my director for my version of motocross is going to be Bilal Fala and Adil Al-Arbi, who directed uh, Bad Boys for Life that came out earlier this year, and that's kind of the tone I'm going to go for. So set in the early 90s, underground motocross racing has taken over Huntington Park, California. The best racer is Eduardo Ortiz, better known as Eddie. He is a Latino male in his late teens. He's consistently winning money for his family until he crashes and injures his leg, preventing him from racing. Uh, Since the races are very hard to get into and not everyone is invited, his twin sister decides to step in and pretend to be him while he was out, against her parents' wishes. She starts off not doing too well, but slowly gets better and better. She is winning races. However, the fact that she shows up, wins, and leaves without talking to anyone is drawing attention. Over time, she starts to befriend one of the other races, racers dean talon dean eventually finds out about her secret and threatens to out her but she begs him not to she offers a one-on-one race if she wins if she wins he can't tell anyone and if he wins she will stop racing she beats him in a photo finish eddie is ready to return and the next race is the biggest race of the year with a massive prize he is all set to race when he realizes his sister is better and he lets her race and she wins her helmet comes off mid-race and it's revealed she's a girl the movie ends with a back shot of a bald, muscular man approaching her as she gets off her bike. He says in this deep voice, You're not bad. You got a name? She says, Letty. He says, My name is Dom. You ever think about racing cars? He is Dominic Toretto, and she is Letty Ortiz, because the movie is set in the world of the Fast and the Furious. My Eddie Ortiz is going to be uh, Jason Genoa. He was in Logan, and he was in the Netflix shows On My Block and The Get Down. Um, my young Letty is going to be Isabella Moner from Dora and the Lost City of Gold and Instant Family, and she was in Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Uh, my Dean Talon is going to be Shamik Moore from Dope and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And then my mom of the family is going to be Jennifer Lopez, because they always have these, in the recent Fast and the Furious movies, they always have these big stars show up. So I needed a big, bigger star. And that's my okay. pitch. All right. Sounds good. That's the rule I probably would have used for this. It makes a lot of sense. Um, Let's see if Alex did the same thing. 
Uh, yeah, so I'll end the suspense. Uh, my director is Justin Lin, who yep. <laughs> uh, directed some of the Fast and the Furious films. Um, and then my Andy is uh, Ansel Elgort, who is in Divergent. Uh, my Andrea, his sister, is Chloe Moritz from Kick-Ass. Um, and then I'll explain the, the others later. Um, so my story goes, a world-renowned teenage dirt bike racer is recruited by Dominic Tretto and his crew of misfits to help them take down a corrupt ringleader that hosts the world's biggest yearly bike race that goes to the desert and is a 1,200-mile two-day event. They need someone to get close enough to the crime boss to play on a tracker on him, and though they believe that they could win, the Tretto's crews knows that, knows that their direct involvement would spook the boss. It's a race that takes a few years that only few qualify for, like something like a, like the Boston Marathon, uh, something like that. So they recruit Andy knowing that he can actually make it. Uh, while Andy qualifies, his sister just barely misses out. When training for the actual big race, Andy gets injured and is about to back out when his sister Andrea steps up, cuts her hair to look like him, and says that she'll help Toretto and join his gang. During the race, uh, I'm just saying there's going to be those crazy moments where, like, they jump the Grand Canyon and, you know, defy death, uh, as any fa Fast and Furious movie would have. Um, Andrea ends up winning the race, uh, getting access to the ringleader, where she slides a tracking device in his suit jacket that then allows Toretto and his goons to follow him wherever necessary, uh, which leads to a big fight scene at the end and their eventual saving of the world, as always. And then I have the crime boss being played by Ray Liotta, um, and then obviously just the regular normal cast of Fast and Furious making small uh, scenes, having small scenes in it. Dominic's the only one that's like kind of a regular throughout the whole movie. Okay. Um, well, I kind of have an idea of both of your movies. I have a couple of questions, but I'll let uh, Johnny, do you have anything to start us off? Any questions for either of these two? Um, as someone who's never seen this original movie and someone who's not a fan of Fast and Furious, um, I think uh, I have an idea of what sounds more interesting or at least more fitting to what the current Fast and Furious um, style is. Uh, but I am probably 50-50 at this point, so it'll definitely come down to uh, the arguments. Yeah. Jen, do you have anything to add going in or do you just kind of want to hear them fight it out? Just hear them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess a question, um, I got a pretty clear view of the tone from Alex. So from Joe, uh, is it going to be in the tone of the newer Fast and the Furious movies or is it going to be kind of more of a uh, more serious, like not serious? Yeah, I tried but... to, considering I made, since I made mine a prequel, I decided to go more to, with the tone of like the first Fast and the Furious instead of okay. like the big over the top action. It's more just I intentionally wanted to make mine a more smaller story of just like a girl racing to save money for her family or like to get money for her family. Okay. And so it's like essentially like a, maybe like a 90, $100 million movie and not like a $250 million movie. And just because I'm not a huge fan of Fast and Furious, uh, Letty Ortiz is Michelle Rodriguez, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, okay. All right. Sounds good. Come on. Even um, I know that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I figured, but I just wanted to clarify. Um, all right. So that's kind of all I had. I kind of want to hear you fight it out. Cause I'm pretty 50, 50. Um, I'm leaning maybe 51, 49 towards someone right now, but uh, let's hear you fight it. Yeah. I think that uh, if we're looking at a, a fast and furious movie, first of all, I kind of think that your ending just kind of reminds me so much of Tokyo drift in terms of like the way that it's like, that's the best part. Time, that's know. okay. That's the only good part of Tokyo Drift, though. Yeah, yeah, but like it just kind of feels like I'm doing the same exact thing there. Um, and then also, I I do think in terms of what Fast and the Furious is now, uh, 
even if, unless, I guess in your version of your movie, are you going in where people know that this is going to be tied? Yeah. Yeah. So like the surprise was like for my pitch, like the movie would probably be called like fast and furious presents motocross or whatever you want. Cause I think if that's the case too, then you do need to go with the go big version because they have just like, they constantly are building and building on like doing more and more like eventually I mean, they are bringing people back to life at this point. So to kind of go back to the less extreme seems a little odd to me for but, a Fast and the Furious movie. But then, because I thought about that point too, and like the MCU was rolling for a long time and then you had a movie like Ant-Man come out and a lot of people thought it was like a breath of fresh air that instead of this big bombastic, we have to save the world type movie, it was just a guy like trying to protect his family and it was a lot smaller of a story. And it was just like these people in like this building and even if they lose like the world doesn't end and it was just like a smaller story and so that's kind of what i was going for gotcha you got anything on your end um yeah i mean my thing with yours is if you have like this big over-the-top action movie but it's not really filled with the regular fast and the furious crew it's like ansel Elgore and chloe grace moretz and then dominic toretto's vin diesel in there sometimes i don't know if anyone's really gonna care and that's partially another reason why I made mine just smaller budget is because it's like, yeah, it's, I'm not out here trying to make a billion dollars. Sure. I'll make like 300, $400 million with just the fast and the furious name. And then maybe it'll attract someone like Johnny who doesn't care about the fast and the furious family or the action. And he's like, Hey, this movie was just like a good action movie, regardless of if it's connected to fast and furious or not. Yeah. I feel like the fast and the furious is kind of a franchise though, that it just people kind of, like I said, kind of about yours is that I think that it's just, if you go all out, like I think a lot of people just enjoy the craziness of it. I mean, I think people watch fast and furious for what it is. And it's just like crazy stunts at this point. They're like, how are they not dead? How are they not going crazy? So I think, I don't think you need everybody in there. I think if you have Vin Diesel and then everyone else just has a little small part, that's enough to, draw people in that want to see a fast and the furious movie. Um, I don't think that they're looking at it too deep other than that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're just going to go back and forth on the same point over and over. Yeah. I mean, if that's all you guys got, I mean, we can, I I I think I know where I'm going unless anyone has any final thoughts, Um, but I want to hear what my consultant judges have to say that might sway me one way or the other. Um, I think to start, I, I honestly, when Joe pitched his, I was thinking in my head, kind of exactly what he said. If this is a prequel, I think it needs to have more of the tone of the original Fast and Furious because I don't think, I don't like when like series do prequels, but it doesn't really match up with the original. So I I like Joe going for that tone. And literally in my head, I was thinking Ant-Man for the MCU, like that was a good change of pace. So I like the way Joe uh, did his and Alex uh, isn't going to win me over with Ansel Elgort in his movie. (laughs) <laughs> um, or most of the world because he is currently being accused of sexual misconduct against a 17 year old. So I don't think that was proper casting there. And this show should know by now my uh, hatred of baby drivers. So I, I would personally go with Joe. Okay. Jen, do you have any, any thoughts? Um, well, I don't really know cast and actors in that really well, but based on the storyline, I like Joe's a little bit more because it goes more with the original um, story of motocross in the original movie and all the fast and furious movies. I've really only seen the first in Tokyo drift. And so I know that storyline a lot better. So I'm leaning more towards Joe. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was feeling too, because at first I was like, 
current Fast and the Furious fans would probably be more of a fan of Alex's movie. Um, but honestly, Joe's sounded more in line with something that would tell a better story to me. Um, and if you're telling us a prequel, then that tone fits. Um, so honestly, I would, I would rather see a movie telling a better story than one with a lot of crazy stunts that I can see in all the rest of the Fast and Furious movies. Um, so I think I like Joe's. He, he, you know, he set it with some major characters in the franchise and, uh, I think he pitched it well. So I'm going to give it to Joe. All right. There you go. All right. So we got one nothing, Joe. Uh, Alex, what movie do you want to do next, and who's going to go first? Uh, let's go with uh, Smart House, and I will go first. Okay. This one had the shortest description out of all of them. Um, Smart House came out in 1999. It, again, has no critic score, but a 53% audience score. Um, it was directed by LeVar Burton from Star Trek fame. Um, a boy tries to stop his father from dating a programming from, da- from dating by programming their computerized house to be a surrogate mother. And that's all we got. So I know nothing of this movie, so I need a little bit of some uh, description from your pitches. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. So um, my film, I decided to have uh, be directed by Spike Jones, who directed uh, her uh, being John Malkovich. Um, and then I have my Ben Cooper, who's the main character, is uh, Tom Holland. My Pat, uh, who is the house, essentially, uh, is played by Scarlett Johansson. And then um, my Angie Cooper is being played by Kate Dever from... Uh, book smart. So uh, my film starts with Ben Cooper and his friends enter an Airbnb sweepstakes for a free summer long stay at a newly renovated uh, world's first uh, fully smart home, uh, which also happens to be the mansion of uh, the world famous Great Gatsby, um, which is playing into my rule of a character made famous by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. So I don't actually have too much uh, Leo in this film, just to be clear. Uh, There's pictures of him on the wall. They cut to some scenes showing like his crazy parties in the past, but he's not an actual like main character playing along throughout the movie. Um, Ben, his sister and some friends uh, move into the house for the summer and throw constant parties um, where they do things like they pass out uh, without cleaning up anything. And by the time they wake up in the morning, the house has already cleaned itself, which is kind of something that they show in the original movie. Uh, The house begins learning the habits of the kids and believes that they're being self-destructive and begins having its own maternal instincts start to kick in. It starts canceling parties, um, blocking them in the house, forcing curfew bedtimes and more on them. The kids try sneaking out, but can't. Uh, They end up finding their, or they end up spending their final days of summer wondering if they'll ever be free. They remind Pat uh, that in order for them to be successful as they are off to college this, uh, at the end of the summer, They must be allowed to leave and leave for their freshman year. Uh, Pat eventually frees them under the promise that their craziest days of partying are done and everybody goes on their happy, merry way. And that's it. All right. All right. I like that. Uh, Joe, let's hear yours. All right. I'm going to say my director is uh, Sam Mendez, who directed in 1917 uh, and uh, American Beauty. And I mainly directed him because I had a choice between one of five people because the rule I chose is I had to bring in people from who were nominated at the most recent Oscar 
at the most recent Oscars. So my Ben, who was not nominated, but I wanted to pull kind of from that group type of people, is uh, Timothy Chalamet from Interstellar and Call Me By Your Name. Uh, my Angie, his little sister, is going to be McKenna Grace. She was in the show Haunting of Hill House and Fuller House. Uh, my Nick, the dad, is going to be Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and I'm, I'm 100% with Alex on my choice of Pat because I chose Scarlett Johansson. Uh, my Sarah, who is kind of Nick's love interest, and she also designed the house and built the house, is going to be Charlize Theron. And then Miles, her assistant, who also helped her build the house, is going to be Anthony Hopkins. And so my version is going to be a lot more serious and dramatic in tone. Uh, the movie, and I said the movie's more relevant now than it was in 1999 with every device seemingly being called a smart this or a smart that. Uh, the house has a built-in AI system that slowly learns the family. When it learns the family doesn't have a mother, the house tries to fill that role. The house becomes too intrusive in their lives and too controlling. The house sees how close Nick and Sarah are getting and doesn't allow her in the house because the house feels Sarah is taking her place as the role of mother. When Pat realizes how dangerous the world is, it refuses to let anyone leave and locks them in. Uh, and then the kind of big main plot of the movie is the family has to contact Miles and Sarah from inside the house to get them to out- shut the house down without getting caught. That's the main. It's my pitch. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like both of those. I, I'm leaning a certain direction right now, but I don't want to give that away right now. Uh, Johnny, do you have any questions for the two of them? I'd say my biggest question for both um is is tone because i feel like the pitch for the most parts kind of set it up to be a little bit of a horror movie um and then i feel like neither of them kind of went that way so i'm kind of confused as to the pitches um and otherwise uh my main question is for alex spike jones is one of my favorite directors so you had me going with that but i don't think your ending being such a happy ending fits spike jones movies in terms of you know, her and uh, all his other movies. I don't think your ending really fits that. So just kind of defend that to me and explain why, why that's a better ending than like the house permanently trapping them. Uh, I think that's because I'm going under the impression that these are still Disney movies at the end of the day. Um, so I think that you still want to have that that happy ending. Um, as far as my tone, just to answer your other question, um, I don't, I mean, the I followed the original kind of idea, idea behind Smart House um, which could also be a thriller um, if, if you set it up that way. I don't see it as that. I still want it to be fairly lighthearted, um, a little bit more kind of, I guess, fun of a movie than it is necessarily a serious tone or thriller or anything like that. Okay. And, and I guess to answer your question for me, for as far as the tone, my tone I would say is more kind of similar to like a panic room. But instead of people invading the house, it's the house that's locked them in. All right. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I like both those answers. Um, I had questions on tone, too. Uh, Can I get just just one defense? So for Alex, more of why... I mean, I know the rule is just to feature Leo um, or a role of his, but you kind of made him a minor character. Can you defend that? And then Joe... um, Based on your movie, can you just kind of tell me why you chose Sam Mendes exactly? Because I feel like there were a couple of directors in that list that I feel like would get your tone a little more. Yeah. Joe, do you mind if I go first? 
Yeah, because I got to look up who the other uh, nominees were. So go for <laughs> right. it. Uh, so my defense on that um, would be, I think that otherwise with this rule, like even last time we had a similar rule, I can't remember who it was that had to be in it. Um, but I, I like the idea of keeping it a ma- uh, just kind of a minor character because otherwise you kind of change the entire movie um, into like, like for ex- the, the best example I have, I think last time we did a Pirates of the Caribbean theme where it's like, where Jack Sparrow had to be in it. And then like you walk that line of like, well, is this a Jack Sparrow movie or is this, you know, um, you know, whatever movie you're, you're pitching. So I didn't want Leo and whatever I ended up pitching, whatever movie I attached it to, I didn't want his character to completely change the, the idea behind the movie. Um, and I think that it's a good way to kind of feature him just a nod to him. And then also if I'm looking at this once again, as like a Disney movie, I don't really see like, Leonardo DiCaprio like starring heavily in a film um, for a Disney movie, really. So I thought that it was a good way to have him in there um, where you see some other big stars in other movies, like uh, the way Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in every Ryan Johnson movie, even if it's just him playing a character on a TV screen in the movie. Okay. Fair enough. Joe? All right. To answer your question. So the one, the first time I'm just looking at the list and I'm gonna go down why I basically didn't pick the other one. The first one is Quentin Tarantino. I just think overall Quentin Tarantino, like this isn't his style of movie. Like this not normally what he would do of just like this house locking people in like his worst movie, uh, especially recently is the hateful eight where everyone was just like in a house together. And so if I picked him for that, that's going to be the main knock against him. Todd Phillips, he's directed like one serious movie and it's kind of just a rip off of taxi driver and King of comedy. So I don't really know what he can do dramatic wise if he goes out on his own. And then Bong Joon-ho, I think the biggest knock while like similarly and maybe tone wise, he would fit more. I thought the reason I didn't pick him is because I didn't really have any Korean actors in my movie. And I thought that could be, and I know even when he's done like Okja and other American movies, he's had more Korean actors in his movie and I didn't want to get knocked for that. And then the other one is Martin Scorsese and where he's, I just feel like, again, this isn't his type of movie. He's recently been doing these big three hour long epics and I don't want to see people locked in a house for three hours. Like give me like an hour 45 to two hours and 15. I don't need three hours. And like Sam Mendes is still done like dramatic work and movies that I think smart house could still fit in. It doesn't feel like completely out of left field that Sam Mendes is doing this movie. It's not like I picked Christopher Nolan to like remake Thor Ragnarok or anything like that. So okay. I just felt like overall Sam Mendes was still a solid pick, maybe not the best pick overall out there I could find, but out of these five, I felt Sam Mendes was the best for what I wanted to do. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I was Bong Joon Ho was the first one that popped in my head, but I think you defended that well. So I just kind of want to hear you guys fight it out. Uh, yeah, I just think my biggest thing against Alex is number one, the use of the rule. I don't know if just like using kind of like remaking scenes from a previous movie is like using that rule to its fullest and like having just flashbacks to other scenes. And I don't know if the whole like family dynamic is there in his movie, if it's just like him and his sister partying in a house yeah i don't well i first of all i just want to say i he would it wouldn't necessarily be flashbacks to like the great Gatsby movie it would be just flashbacks to when he was alive and in the house um type of a thing all right and that's i mean mean, my other thing is like there are definitely fans of that movie but i don't know if anyone's being like it's not going to be like some amazing thing that people are hyped about is leonardo dicaprio is back as the great Gatsby. 
Yeah. And I don't think that it's a, it's something that I would look at as like, it's going to really bring everybody in. I think it's just something to tie into it, something to kind of put it into a little bit of a cinematic, like kind of tie into another movie universe type thing. Um, but I think, I think for me, otherwise I, I, I didn't want to make it too, too tie. I didn't want to tie in the Gatsby too much. I wanted it to be just kind of a, a subset of the story um, mm-hmm. and kind of made sense in terms of um, how to, um explain this crazy rich rich person mansion that they're at yeah i guess that makes sense to a degree i don't know that's only two knocks i had against yours yeah i felt the biggest knock i had which i don't necessarily think i fully understand still is kind of the tone of your movie because it does sound at first like i thought yours was going to be a little bit more thrillery um i guess but I, i you kind of already explained it i just don't know if i fully can picture the film now yeah I don't know. I was just, I, when I was thinking about it, I was going more for like a panic room type of feel. Gotcha. Might be my fault if that didn't come across, but that's what I was going for. It was like panic room, but instead of Forrest Whitaker and Jared Leto and whoever else breaks into the house, it's the house that's like keeping them in and they still have to get out. Gotcha. I think we're pretty much good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll start before Bobby makes his ruling. I'll I'll kind of step in and say, I think I think Joe did make a mistake not picking Bong Joon Ho. I think uh, especially for the movie he pitched, you know, you were held back by the people you had to to pick, but you had the perfect director sitting right there, and you could have easily have said he won, you know, best director and best picture. So this is his big American movie, and they give him, you know, the the freedom to do so. I think that's believable, especially since he has done Okja and stepped into. Um, you know, American filmmaking before. Alex, I had a question of his tone before, but I think he did a good job defending it. And I think at first I had had the same thoughts of Joe as I didn't think he used his rule very well. Um, But I I like the flashback aspect. And I think it's very, you know, modern times to say the first big smart house was like this famous mansion, you know, Great Gatsby's mansion. That's what we refurbished into the smart house. So I, I think Alex defended everything well. Um, I still have a question of Spike Jones fitting into like the Disney type movie he did um, just because I think those tones kind of clash, but I think overall his tone is more in line with the movie he pitched. And I think Joe kind of had missed opportunity and his movie just fell all over the place. Okay. Jen, so I would have any- gone yeah. with Alex. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Jen, uh, based on the movie, you know, for smart house? Uh, so again, I don't know much about directors and things. So based on storyline, um, I like Alex's use of using Great Gatsby. I love Great Gatsby and I can envision the house being the house being a very big part of the smart house movie and bringing in Leo's more kind of his charisma and that around the um, character of the house. So I can see that well and keeping it more in the Disney theme. But on the other hand, I like um, Joe taking the more kind of, if I understood correctly, uh, more of a thriller, eerier approach that you can get from a house like this, it kind of goes on those basis of um, people's uh, reservations with having a lot of smart things in a house and it kind of taking over. So it kind of plays in those fears, which uh, I thought fit well too. Yeah. And, and I agree. I did like um, Joe's overall pitch, but to me, Alex right away captivated me by saying um, Spike Jones. Cause I think that really, fits well in a story like this, even though you did keep it a little bit more of a happy ending. Um, I can see Spike Jones doing this style of movie. Um, I liked your cast. 
Um, Joe, I, you know, I, I liked it, but I think like Johnny said, Bong Joon-ho, like that was my first choice. If you chose him, that would have made this a lot tougher. Um, but Alex, I loved it. I really like the choice of the Great Gatsby house being in the movie. So I'm going to give it to you. And we're going to tie it up. All right. And we have a live, live comment. comment in here too. Yeah, live comment. What do we got? So much quieter in the house from Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You uh, got that right. Um, yeah. Um, I agree with that. I don't, I don't need to yell and shout when I'm a consulting judge, but we'll see. We'll see if I'm very passionate uh, against one of Bobby's picks or something later. But all I can say is I'm not mad about that. Uh, we'll see. Um, also, what kind of uh, both movies reminded me of, I've never seen uh, Smart House, but there's a movie actually called, it is called The Room, but it's on Shudder. Um, it's from like 2019. And basically these people move into a house and it gives them everything they want, but then eventually you know, that becomes a horror movie. So I, that's what kind of what those reminded me of. And I just wanted to give that movie a plug because it's a smaller independent movie. And I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Tommy Wiseau, right? Yep. Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> classic. <laughs> they need to all stop right, making uh, movies called Room or The Room. Yep. Um, all right. So Joe, where are we going? Uh, we, we're going to Halloween Town. And uh, pick. I'll go so, first. Okay. So the one that I've heard the most about and have never seen um halloween town actually does have a critic rating of 80 percent based on five reviews um directed by <laughs> directed by Dwayne dunham um and it describes follows uh marnie and her kids get a big shock when they follow grandma home on halloween home to halloween town and find out that they come from a family of witches the town is the only place where supernatural beings can lead a normal life but trouble trouble is looming and on her 13th birthday marnie not only finds she is a witch but that she and her family are involved in a fight against the evil that is threatening to take over the world. Sounds pretty interesting to me. Uh, I'd like to hear your new take. All right. So uh, my director is going to be Andy Muschietti, who directed it and it chapter two. Uh, my Marnie Piper, the lead is going to be played by Sophia Lillis from it. Uh, her nerdy brother, Dylan is going to be played by Noah Juppe from a quiet place in Ford vs. Ferrari and honey boy. Uh, their little sister, Sophie, is going to be played by Brooklyn Prince from the Florida Project. Uh, Calabar, the mayor, who is revealed to be the villain, is going to be played by uh, Nikolai Colster Waldo. However the fuck you say his name? Uh, he was in Mama, and he was also in he was also Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. Uh, Luke, who lives in Halloween Town, who uh, helps the kids out, is going to be played by Chosen Jacobs from It. Their mom is going to be played by Jessica Chastain, who is in uh, Mama, It Chapter 2, Interstellar, and The Help. And then replacing Debbie Reynolds as the grandma is going to be Meryl Streep. And so my version is going to be a straight-up horror movie. When the kids walk around Halloween Town for the first time, it is uh, horrifying. The monsters are creepy and scary instead of guys walking around in Party City masks. However, there will still be some moments of comedy including where my rule comes into play because one of the monsters is DMX in werewolf makeup. Dylan, the brother recognizes him and asks if he is DMX. He says, yes. And uh, Dylan says he has no idea. He was a werewolf and DMX is happy and says, all of his friends say his human disguise is terrible and it's clear he is a werewolf. And uh, some other changes I'm making is uh, Calabar is trying to rally the monsters and creatures to go to the human world and come out of hiding. So they don't have to hide who they are. In my version, he is hiding anyone who goes against him in a dungeon instead of a stupid abandoned movie theater like in the original version. Also, instead of flying a bus there, 
uh, there are hidden portals around the world that when you walk through, take you to Halloween town. And the plot of my movie is when their grandma is kidnapped by Calabar. The three kids have to find ingredients to make a wand they can use to defeat Calabar and save their grandmother. It's basically a haunted house style movie, but instead of uh, how or instead of uh, a house, it's an entire town. And so that's my pitch. Okay. Well, based on Jen's uh, reactions as she was as I as we were listening, I think she enjoyed that based on her fandom of Halloween Town. So I'd like to hear her take later on. But uh, let's let's get to Alex's pitch. All right. Uh, so my uh, film is going to be directed by Edgar Wright, who did Shaun of the Dead. Um, my Marnie is Beanie Feldstein, also from Booksmart. Um, Dylan is going to be played by Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. My Sophie is Julia Butters from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. My Calabar is uh, comedian Gary Goldman, who was also in Joker. Uh, my grandma is Jamie Lee Curtis. And my Gwen is going to be Mary Louise Parker, uh, who was in Weeds. Uh, so my pitch is the Cronwell family never celebrates much around Halloween, but it's the one time of year that grandma visits and brings her gifts. Marnie overhears her grandma arguing with her mom about how she's actually a witch and sneaks to sneaks home to follow sneak, sneaks to follow her grandmother home realize, and then realizes that her siblings followed as they're too far to go back. Marnie and Sophie are dressed like witches while Dylan is dressed like his favorite action star, John Rambo. When they meet up with their grandma, she explains the darkness occurring in Halloween town and how a dark force has been pu- pulling pe- putting people into trances as he's trying to take over the city. Marnie starts practicing spells because she's convinced that only her and her family can defeat the darkness, but accidentally casts a spell on her brother, turning him into the real John Rambo. This comes in handy though, as they swap his gun for a portion or a potion shooter that helps snap people out of the trance. He helps free the citizens and the darkness reveals itself to be Calabar, the mayor of the, of the city. The Cronwells managed to defeat Calabar and save Halloween town. Thanks to John Rambo and his magic gun. Okay, so you both used the uh, um, the costume aspect of Halloween Town to bring in your cameos, which I kind of like. So, um, what my main question for is really for Joe on his tone because he said trade up horror movie and then had this really comedic weird scene with DMX. So I just kind of need you to to defend that. Um, I mean, there's. Are you want me to go now, or you want to ask Alex? Yeah, this? well, I mean that that was mostly my question, Alex. I understand your movie. Um, I, I'm still I still like both pitches. It's not like because I have a question, I'm leaning towards oh, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was my initial thoughts. Oh, yeah, my my main thing is like with it and stuff. There's still moments of comedy. Like it's a, basically when I was like it's a straight up horror movie. I just meant like there are terif- like the creatures are terrifying. There's no like because if you watch the original Halloween Town, nothing about that movie is scary except for maybe like Calabar in a few moments. But when you see like a goblin or a werewolf or a vampire walking around and the original like a two-year-old would not be scared of it it's like some doofus in a and like i like i said in a party city mask so in my version like everything is terrifying it and there is the moment though where he does recognize dmx and so he's not as scared by that specific werewolf because you do realize it's dmx okay uh johnny did you have any questions uh, or initial thoughts you want to kind of say based on those pitches my my initial thoughts are after both pitches i still have no idea what this movie is about um at all <laughs> i don't know anything <laughs> about halloween town so um other than that though i'm only basing it off what sounds more interesting and, and i do think uh 
I think that Joe's right about it having plenty of comedy in it. So I don't think that uh, with Andy Machete, he's a good director to make really scary moments, but there's plenty of laughs in it and probably even more laughs in it chapter two. So I, th- I think that fits in stylistically and it's not kind of out of left field. Um, and that you have to pitch a DMX cameo. So it's going to seem a little bit out of left field anyway for any of these. So I, th- I think that's a, a good use of the rule. Um, and uh, my question for Alex is just how, how again does John Rambo come into your movie other than so, the kids dressed up as him? So the kids dressed up as him. And then when the sister is like practicing her actual like wi- wizardry or whatever you want to call it, witch- witchery, uh, magic. She casts, yeah. There you Witchcraft? go. She, uh, <laughs> she casts a spell on him that turns him oh, into like the witchery. actual John Rambo. Like got it. Turn, turns it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. That's all I really had questions about. So, uh, Fight it out. Wait, I think that did, did you guys have anything else, Bobby? Uh, I was just going to see, Jen, do you have any thoughts based on those pitches? I know you're not a big horror movie fan, but do you think that fits this tone for that type of movie? Yeah, um, I I refuse to watch anything horror. Um, however, given the premise of Halloween Town and trying to get an audience more than children, I think horror would go really well with it. And um, having the bits of comedy because there is comedy within Halloween Town, and I would be sad to see that gone because Benny is like one of my favorite characters. If you know, he's the cab driver that drives the bus in. Uh, I always liked him, uh, so I can totally see where Joe is um, coming with it, and I can see his storyline really well fitting with the original storyline of Halloween Town, but updating it for more of an adult or diverse audience. Um, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, that that's good. I, I was just gonna say, speaking of Benny, the original rule I was gonna use for this is Charlie Sheen, and I was gonna have Charlie Sheen play Benny in my version. <laughs> oh, I can, I can actually see that. That would actually be, yeah, that would have been good. I could see where that would go in. Yeah. I, I don't know who Benny is, yeah. but that sounds about right. <laughs> He's just like a cab driver that's kind of like Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah. Gives the the, the yeah. comedic relief and helps um, the kids figure out what's going on and kind of. Um, relate to uh, everything and not be so frightened. All right. Well, let's get to your arguments. And then before we make our judgments, we have some live comments to get to. Yeah. uh, I'll just say, I think I tried to stay with the spirit of what Halloween town is. And I think that part of what makes Halloween town like great and like, I mean, I guess it's not a great movie, but yeah, for let's, what it let's was. Let's refrain from words like great when part, referring to Part of, of like the movies. nostalgia. Yeah. Part of the nostalgia behind it, though, I think, is that it is a Halloween movie that's not a horror movie. Um, so for me, there, I didn't have any interest. I wouldn't have any interest in seeing it as a fully scary movie. I think that it as a lighthearted um, kind of more just fun movie is kind of where it belongs. Um, I just I think that making it a making it a horror movie just kind of takes away really what, what people enjoyed about it originally. Yeah. And like, I, I understand that point, but my thing was like, we have the lighthearted fun version of it. And I wanted to do like, I guess a more realistic version or like something that's more in line with what we know of these creatures and like the goblins and stuff. And I wanted to make it more for like the people that watched it when they were like eight are now, you know, 30 or whatever. And so that's available for them to watch and enjoy as adults kind of that i took basically a lot of the same story and just updated the tone to make it scarier where i think you took more like kept the tone but like wrote a different story so it's kind of hard to argue back and forth i guess 
Yeah, what I kind of tried to do, which isn't going to help Johnny or Bobby in this case, because, but uh, I tried to kind of combine the first and third one, where the third one has, that's where, in, in the third one, they end up, um, the bad guy tries to basically turn all of the people who dress as certain, like if, they, if you dress like a goblin, you get turned into a goblin type of a thing. So I was trying to kind of combine those two, two ideas um, to, to kind of still have that same feel of Halloween Town, but change it up a little bit, but not too much. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts or is that pretty much it for you guys? Yeah, I mean, or... it's just hard to argue when like someone just like keeps the story, but changes the tone and the other person like keeps the tone for the most part. And then like, I feel, and I, and I also like, think that, yeah, we're, too, we're like almost also, too different to fight each other. It's like, well, that and a also, better movie. you can yeah, always fight each point. other. Well, that, and also, like you said, none of these movies are like great movies. So it's really hard to get passionate about it. Yeah. Um, it's really I, need to, I need to see more passion <laughs> out of you two. Speaking right. of which. So, all right. Um, okay. Until I see a more passionate argument, I will, I'll step in here and, and just say, at first, I thought Joe definitely had this because I like Andy Machete. I think he, his role fit the tone of, uh, you know, it and everything like that. He's got a good cast, even though I don't think um, he casts a lot of kind of up and comers and then put Meryl Streep in, I know, an older role, but I didn't think she exactly fit into this movie. I mean, that's what but the original did. That was Noah Jupe, but that's all right. <laughs> I don't know I don't anything know. about the original again. So I just thought it, reading off the cast list, I guess it's all like. Decently Oscar Oscar caliber people, so like Brooklyn Prince fits, I guess. But outside outside of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, I'm honestly not a fan of Edgar Wright. I've realized, even just looking back on his movies, I think those are probably the only two I'm interested in. And Alex basically combined the two, so I, I would actually really like to see what Edgar Wright has to do with uh, John Rambo and making it more of a comedic somewhat horror aspects, but more of a comedic action movie. I think that's what Alex pitched well. Um, and at first I thought just based on the directors alone, I, uh, Joe would run away with it because Andy Muschietti is one of my favorite directors right now. And I'm not against like Edgar Wright has to really do a lot to pull me back in. But I think Alex sold me on an Edgar Wright movie that kind of combines my two favorite movies of his and has John Rambo uh, in it. So I, I And I think Alex gave me more of an idea of what the plot of the movie is. Joe just kind of said there are scary monsters and TMX is in it at some point. And, I, and there's a mayor. But like other than that, I had no idea what Joe's movie was actually about. And Alex gave me more of a plot line throughout what his actually is. So I would go with Alex. Yeah, and Jen, Jen was helping me out um, as we went. And she really liked um, Alex's kind of combination of Halloween Town 1 and 3, which obviously I have no idea about. But... Um, Honestly, right away, uh, I, I'm I'm a much bigger fan of Edgar Wright than Johnny is. I like a lot more of his movies. I know Johnny's not a fan of Scott Pilgrim's World. I love that movie. I actually do really like Baby Driver. And I am much more interested in that type of tone for this movie rather than a straight-up horror movie, I think, with a random DMX cameo. So uh, Alex has held my interest, and I think I'd actually want to see that one. So I'm going to give it to Alex. All right. All right. All right, live comments. No, uh, it's just it's basically just lemonade with a little bit of bourbon in it. Our, basically, yeah, our competitor asked that. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So no, uh, that's not the same Alex. Yeah, right? that's, that's a different Alex. Alex. I, that's I a totally different Alex. I just read two Alex. Alex. Yeah. Where are your Alex's? Name two Alex's. Um, all right. Our other our other college roommate. I just wanted to say that. Um, 
uh, Alex, when you uh, said about combining the first and the third movie, your movie made a lot more sense to me after you said that. So, okay. Alex, yeah. that didn't help me. That helped me. It helped me a lot because it, yeah. I, it helped the expert. It helped right. the expert because all you needed, I did a hard time putting the two together with all the people, and um, mm -hmm. I knew more of the characters and the way that um, Joe was going and his storyline better. So when you mentioned that you were combining the two, it kind of clicked everything and made sense. Yeah, and that definitely helped me as she was describing it uh, to me while while we were muted. So that that helped out a lot. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, two one, Alex, um, Joe. What are we doing next? And who are we, who's going first? Uh, we'll do uh, Phantom of the ne Megaplex next, and I'll let uh, Alex go first because I went first last time. Okay. Um, so Phantom of the Megaplex uh, from two thousand um, has no critic score again and has a fifty six percent audience score. Uh, directed by by Blair Treyu, something like that. Um, Pete Riley is a 17-year-old who lands a part-time job at a multiplex in his neighborhood. He and his friends are excited when it's announced that the theater will play host to the premiere of a major motion picture with a number of Hollywood celebrities in attendance. However, when the big night comes, Pete has to contend with disappearing staff, malfunctioning equipment, and a broken popcorn machine. Sounds like a tragedy. All right. Uh, uh, let's hear your pitches. I know nothing of this again. Uh, yeah, mine should be uh, pretty quick. Um, so my director is uh, Brian Henson, who did Happy Time Murders, Muppet, Treasure Island. Um, and with that, you can figure out the rule. Uh, I am making this a Muppet movie. So I didn't actually really cast any of the cast uh, for the most part. Um, so my story goes, uh, Kermit is getting ready for the big premiere at the theater he works at, uh, where he just got promoted to assistant manager. His boss, Sam the Eagle, is a mess, uh, just just certain that the event will go wrong in every way possible, but he just doesn't know exactly how. Things continue to go wrong with all the different movie showings that day, and the issues that happen all tie into the movies that occur uh, during the film. So, uh, for example, in one of the films, there's a tornado and there's forceful wind that blows everything over. Um, there's a movie uh, that has a boat crash and there's uh, water that fills up the uh, entire theater. Along with his co-workers, Gonzo and Miss Piggy, Kermit begins investigating who could be behind this and discovers that it was actually his manager, manager sabotaging the entire time. Kermit and his friends work together to save everything and get everything back on track in time for the premiere and successfully air their newest film. Uh, and that is all I have. Okay. All right. So we got a fun Muppet movie, it sounds like. All right. Uh, Joe, hear your pitch. I went in a very different direction. So uh, <laughs> my director is uh, Drew Goddard, who directed Bad Times at the Al Royale at Cabin in the Woods. Um, my main lead lead character, Pete Riley, is going to be William Jackson Riley, who is in The, the Good Place. Uh, my Sean McGibbon, the senior manager, is going to be Richard Jenkins, who is in Cabin in the Woods and Step Brothers. My Wolfgang Niedermeyer, the owner of the theater, is going to be Bradley Whitford, who was also in Cabin in the Woods, and he was in Billy Madison. My Tyler Jessamine, the director of the movie premiering at the theater, is going to be played by John Hamm, who was in Bad Times at the El Royale and Mad Men. I didn't name the character, but my lead movie star of the movie that's showing at the premiere is going to be Chris Hemsworth from Cabin in the Woods, Bad Times at the El Royale, and Thor. And then the original movie had a character named Movie Mason, uh, played by Mickey Rooney, who uh, was kind of like a big fan of old Hollywood and loved old Hollywood and knew all about the old movies. Well, I don't have movie Mason. I have Rick Dalton played by an aged up Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, 
from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so he's there to talk to the people in the theater about old Hollywood and the classic movies and the celebrities he knew. And the tone of my movie is going to be very similar to Bad Times at the El Royale, which was a darker toned mystery. Uh, The plot of my movie is going to be very similar to the original, but like I said, with a darker tone, and I'm taking out the little kids in my movie. Uh, Pete Riley is going to be tasked with finding out who is running around trying to stop the movie premiere. Is it Sean McGibbon, the senior manager, who is trying to get a promotion? Is it Niedermeyer, the owner potentially running... Uh, potentially running some type of insurance scam? Is it the director who is trying to get press for his movie? Is it the movie star who feels his performance is bad and doesn't want anyone to see it? Or is it theater regular Rick Dalton who wants to kill the blockbuster and give rise to a new era of films like the ones Hollywood used to make? So yeah, it's just a mystery of uh, uh, Pete Riley trying to figure out who the Phantom of the Megaplex is. And that's my pitch. All right. Well, I, I really like Bad Times at El Royale. Um, so I think that was an interesting choice. And I do like, um, I've never seen this, but it sounds like Muppets fit into this story. So I kind of like both pitches. Um, Johnny, do you have any questions? I pretty much understand the movies, so I just need to hear them fight. Yeah, I think unlike the Halloween Town pitch, I actually understand both plots pretty much from start to finish. Um, so I have a better idea of what, what movies are. So it kind of comes down to just fighting as w- to what fits uh your your movie better um i liked alex's use of the muppets but i also liked uh joe's pitch and his director and basically who done it and i liked uh the rick dalton uh add to it so i'm gonna basically decide who i think should win based on the passion of the argument all right i'm ready so to be passionate it. muppets motherfucker does anyone else have questions or are we good do you have anything Nope. No. All right. Yeah, I think I understand them. They, they, we, I like both. I'm very split down the middle. So go ahead. Each other. Yeah. So my thing with Alex is, is I feel like this would be like a good background to a Muppets episode of them like running around while like trying to find this like who's causing all these problems while they go in and out of other sketches. But I don't know if Kermit trying to figure out like who's causing problems in the theater. It's like enough to hold my attention or kids' attention for an hour and a half, two hours. Like I feel like just with the Muppets and their kind of style, I feel like it's going to be a lot of the same over and over. And I don't know, like with that theme, if they're like with this story, if there's going to be like a theme for kids of like, why are we directing this specific movie at like young little kids with the Muppets? Like, is there like a theme or a message that we're like trying to give to little kids? Um, I don't, I don't see it as there being any, any type of a message, but I think that it's kind of a chance to, um, I guess I see it as, as because there is like the movie Mason character, which I didn't necessarily pitch in the movie in my pitch, but I would absolutely still have involved in there. Um, I would see it as a chance to, um, showcase to kids a love of cinema, um, and kind of the importance of the movie theater and, and film in general. Yeah, kids, um, consume, consume, consume. That's the yes. message we got to give to Hey, kids. I don't want to buy our product. I don't. Yeah, I mean, you're see... making a Disney movie, so it fits. Buy our stuff. I don't want to see the movie theaters die. So, um... well, I think you're a little late on that one there. <laughs> I, I think know, coronavirus right? took that out. Yeah, it was a little bit of a final nail. But I think that, um, you know, you'd mentioned it's not going to keep your attention. I don't know that any Muppet film is necessarily going to be geared to keep your attention. 
Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, you can make the, the, the Muppet that, movies like, overall have been pretty good, like quote unquote, like family movies where like anyone can enjoy. But I just don't know if like Kermit the Frog running around a theater is like really gonna. I I be... do think that if there was going to be a little bit of an interest for somebody that's old, of older age, it would be um, in any film references that would be put into the movie of older movies. Um, so you know, I think they're in. in so your movie's all about sending the message of buy our products and member berries well all great movies are built on yeah so yes exactly again it it is a disney movie (laughs) yeah yeah but i'm trying to make a good movie here yeah yeah i I mean all right i don't know what to say about that i haven't heard anything bad about my movie so i mean i gotta be pretty good No, on it. I mean, first of all, I was really distracted by my cat, like getting stuck behind the uh, so was I. Ouch, she was like halfway stuck there. I was, I was, I didn't want anybody to see me like push her down, but um, oh, I saw, saw. (laughs) but uh, no, I mean, honestly, I think running it as a whodunit, are you taking? I feel like that's what the first one basically is, is a whodunit, but it's like a whodunit for kids. It's a very simplified, I feel like it's a very simplified version of a whodunit though. Well, I mean, but that's still what it is, is they're trying to figure out who the Phantom of the Megaplex is. That's the whole... Well, I mean, does that make every like murder movie ever a whodunit movie? I mean, they're trying to figure out whodunit, (laughs) so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to say anything else? That I mean, honestly, my biggest thing is I, I just think I think it's a lot to fit in making it a, a full who like a true whodunit, also having like this movie tie in and then having the, the Leo character in there. Um, I mean, so it just seems like you're cramming a lot into I'm taking into- out movie Mason, who is already there and I'm replacing Rick Dalton. Then I'm keeping it a whodunit, which the original already was. And the original is not a whodunit. You would, they're you trying can't- to figure out who 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 the freaking the phantom was that's the whole thing that's the whole plot that's all pete riley is trying to do is figure out who is fucking with everything he's trying that's... to stop it all right i don't i don't need the um you know the specifics on how it's a whodunit i i get what joe's saying so that's not really gonna sway me uh do you guys have any other major points to kind of get to i think i said what i gotta no. say i'm all good okay all right I'll before Bobby makes his ruling. Yeah, I I think um, again I don't know anything about the original one, but I think both of you should have done this as a whodunit because I think just even hearing Bobby's description of it and hearing both of your pitches sets up well. And I think Alex, if you went in the direction of you had like a human as your lead, and then the whodunit was which Muppet is the Phantom guy, and like your movie Mason instead of going with like Lover of Cinema was like Waldorf and Statler. And things like that. I think that would have been like a fun whodunit of, because we haven't really seen that in, in Muppet movies and yours doesn't seem too different from the others. And you said yours has not really any themes or messages and it's a remake of a Disney movie that has Muppets and then you don't have themes and messages. I, I think it needs those for either of those aspects. And uh, and Joe made a fun whodunit with fun characters and good actors um, in, a, in a movie that maybe the original wasn't a whodunit, but it doesn't matter. That's what Joe pitched it as. And I, I think Joe pitched a, a good version of one. Yeah. So that's, and I'd, I, that's, I'd go with Joe. Do we have anything from our resident DCOM expert? Um, so I, I like uh, Alex's pitch of, I actually like both the pitches in two different ways. I like Alex's pitch of uh, 
doing it as a Muppet movie because I, this movie I can see is being very lighthearted and um, you can still get the comedy in it with the whodunit um, with the Muppets. But I also like the fact that he is bringing in references to movies and things like that because I feel like part of Phantom of the Megaplex, especially with movie Mason, bringing in his love of movies and the old time Hollywood is not losing that um, cinema magic that can get lost in a lot of movies and, and not even just movies, but the feel, the different feel of going to the movies now versus when movie Mason went to the movies. And I feel like the Muppets, you can add in that um, movie magic feel to it. On the other hand, I like um, Alex's pitch of Joe's pitch, sorry, of um, going more of the whodunit and the, um, uh, focusing more on that way because a lot of the movie is figuring out who did it and trying to stop them. Who um, done it? Done it. Who done it? Who did it? Grammar is yeah. not my best. No, your grammar was right. It's just that <laughs> your grammar is correct. It's just <laughs> called a whodunit. It's just the name <laughs> movie. So I, yeah, yeah. I can see both ways going very well. Yeah, and and honestly, and um, with what you said, you actually helped me sway towards Joe because um, when you said that a lot of the movie is about keeping that movie magic, um, I know you have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I think Joe's rule of bringing back the character that Leonardo DiCaprio plays in that movie is exactly what he did. And that's the, that, mm-hmm. that would be the character that is um, br- trying to pres- preserve that. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, one, I love, I, I, Joe did have a live comment. I'll read it in a second, but uh, um, honestly, I just think that Joe's choice, I, I think that movie just sounds more interesting to me. I do like the Muppets in this, but the whodunit theme, um, your director, the tone of the movie, uh, I, I like it. It sounds more interesting. So I'm going to give it to Joe and Joe also commented and this is actually Joe, not a different Joe that says uh, the movie was always a whodunit. Damn it. And hey, what? And I have no idea, but I'll agree, I guess. Alex, uh, Alex I think in a Muppet movie, the Who Done It would obviously be, be uh, Miss Piggy, but Joe, Who Done It in yours? Oh, that's probably the same who, guy who, in the original, the senior who done manager. Who Done the Didding It? Which uh, is the who senior did, manager, who so it would have been Richard Jenkins. Okay, yeah, I could see him done it, dunning it. <laughs> I want him just. What's yeah. next? That was, by the way, like really hard to try to defend a Muppet movie. So, yeah. I like the Sorry, Muppet. Man. <laughs> a, a Muppet, a Muppet who done it would have been great. Yeah, with like with uh, like Simon Pegg or something as the lead, like someone who can kind of carry like a Muppet type movie. I think that would have been yeah. fun. Yeah, that's you are almost there. The Muppet pitches, Johnny, is there needs to be a human lead, but uh, except except uh, I don't except remember, you, but I definitely chose both Muppet time movies last time I was a judge, and I don't think. Either of them had humans in it, but I don't remember. No, my well, no. mine did. My uh, mine had Adam Driver as the lead, and my little Nikki. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So Alex, we're tied up two to two. Uh, where do you want to go from here? Uh, let's go up, up, and away, uh, and I will go first. All right. Um, and uh, yeah, Johnny, this is not up in the air featuring George Clooney. But Are you sure? The, yes, I, I am very is sure. Does it have balloons in it? Uh, I have no idea. It might. But as far as I can tell, um, Up, Up, and Away from 2000, 
again, has no critic score, but this time has no audience score as well. Um, yeah, there's a reason. It's not great. Yeah. Uh, but this movie is directed by Robert Townsend. Um, and the plot goes like this. Uh, the Marshalls look like like a typical suburban family, but under that ordinary-looking exterior, exterior, they are all superheroes. Each member of the family has their own secret identity and superhuman power. The youngest member of the family, Scott, is worried. He doesn't seem to be exhibiting any extraordinary ability yet. He doesn't want to let his family down, so he's really worried and pretends to have superhuman powers too. Okay. Sounds kind of like uh, Incredibles, I guess, a little bit, but uh, let's hear... Let's hear your pitches. But worse in every way. <laughs> Probably. Until now. Yeah, uh, until you read, until you hear mine. <laughs> uh, all right, so my director is going to be Matthew Vaughn, who directed Kingsman. Um, and then I have my Scott Marshall, who's the main character, is going to be Bobby J. Thompson, who was in Role Models back in the day. Um, and now he's actually uh, on Wild and Out. Um, my... Bronze Eagle, who is the father, is going to be Denzel Washington. My Silver Charge is Michael B. Jordan, uh, and that's his brother. Uh, Warrior Woman is going to be Halle Berry. And Steel Condor is going to be Samuel L. Jackson. And Steel Condor is the grandpa who's kind of the overall, um, I guess, patriarch of the family. Um, So I'm looking for tone-wise. I want this to be Kingsman-style tone, um, but not quite the same type of fight scenes. Um, and I'm changing it rather than it being like the 14th birthday where the kid is supposed to get his powers. It's by their 21st. So I have a uh, college junior Scott Marshall belongs to a very special family. Everyone's a superhero. As he approaches his 21st birthday, he's worried that he may not ac- actually ever get to see the powers come as the deadline is on your 21st birthday and he hasn't seen any, uh, anything come through. Scott has an internship with the world's biggest social media company led by Uh, Malcolm Walsh, played by Charlie Sheen. Uh, Scott, through hearing uh, audio that he wasn't supposed to, realizes that the new update uh, coming out to the social media network is meant to hypnotize users to control them into helping Malcolm take over the world. Scott tries to tell his parents, but before he can get to them, Malcolm has already kidnapped them. It is now up to Scott and his friends, who all have no powers, to save his family and eventually the world. All right. All right. Okay. So, I was trying to get a little information from the uh, expert here, but um, yeah, let's hear Joe's pitch. All right. So my director is Eric Kripke, who's uh, one of the creators of The Boys, and he directed the final episode of season one. Uh, my Scott Marshall is Asante Black, who's a, who's guest appeared recently in This Is Us. Uh, my Jim Marshall slash Bronze Eagle is Idris Elba. My Judy Marshall slash Warrior Woman is Naomi Harris from uh, Moonlight, and uh, she's currently Money Penny in the James Bond movies. My Adam Marshall slash Silver Charger is John Boyega, who plays Finn in the recent Star Wars movies. My Steel Condor, I'm 100% with Alex, Samuel L. Jackson, a Steel Condor. Good pick. Uh, my main villain, Malcolm, is Jack Quaid from The Boys, and his assistant, Nina, is Aaron Mortiarty from The Boys. Uh, my Randy, Scott's best friend, is uh, played by Jolo Maraduena, who's the lead of Cobra Kai. And my uh, Amy, his uh, best friend and kind of love interest, is uh, Kiernan Shipka, who's, who is in Mad Men, and she's currently the star of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. 
And so my tone is very graphic and violent, similar to the boys. The plot is about a group of cyber terrorists who created a mind control weapon that can control kids. Meanwhile, 17-year-old Scott Marshall is trying to convince his parents that he has superpowers because they all have superpowers and he doesn't. And if he doesn't develop powers by his 18th birthday, then he never will and he won't be able to be a hero. So me and Alex did the same thing of lifting the age from, I think, 13 or 14. He did his to 21. I did mine to 18. Uh, When the villains unleash the mind control weapon at Scott's school, they eventually find out about his family. They use that information to kidnap his family and imprison them using a fictional metal that is their weakness, not aluminum foil like they used in the original film, because that may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in any movie ever. Uh, Thinking uh, Scott will be able to help them because of his powers, his family waits. Uh, But Scott doesn't know what to do. He knows it's his fault his family was kidnapped, and he doesn't want to tell any of his family's friends because they'll know he doesn't have the powers. His friend Randy says he knows someone who could help. He has an uncle who has helped people before and he might be able to help them. And this is where my rule comes in because his uncle is John Rambo. Rambo, Scott, Randy, and Amy break into the cyber terrorist hideout and rescue Scott's family. Throughout his time with Rambo, Scott learns uh, from him. When the movie is over, he decides that even though he doesn't have powers, he can help people without, he can still help people. And he becomes a superhero similar to like a Batman or a Hawkeye who has skills elevated enough that he doesn't necessarily need powers to help people and that's my pitch okay um well i didn't have a lot of questions until joe revealed his rule um so honestly right now i'm i usually don't like giving away but i'm leaning towards alex pretty heavily and i need to hear um some defense of the rule choice because I don't like the idea of Rambo being set in a world that superheroes exist. Um, So I need to hear that from Joe. And then from Alex, I just need to hear uh, you, you used um, like the Kingsman tone, but kind of backed away from the, the violence of it. It seemed like, Um, so what is, what's the style of the action in your movie without the, uh, that the use of like kind of because that was one of the better parts of Kingsman. So kind of defend that for me. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I need to hear. Gotcha, Joe. You going first? Yeah, I can go first. So basically, like, I don't like the idea of living in a world where like terrorists exist, but that's where Rambo lives. He lives in a world with cyber terrorists. <laughs> Maybe he lives in a world with superheroes. He can, but he's not fighting superheroes. He's fighting against cyber terrorists, saving superheroes because Rambo is that badass. He doesn't have the weakness that the heroes have of this fictional rock that i didn't bother to name because who cares he is a badass he you know he's out doing the things that the people with powers don't do like the, and even in a world of you know iron man and the hulk and all these and uh, you still have your black widows and your hawkeyes and that's what john rambo is he is your black widow or, or your hawkeye of this world and so that's why john rambo fits can I just real quick be clear though that your um, like your message of the movie is that even if you don't have powers, you could still murder a lot of people with guns, right? If if this is a John Rambo movie, it's, literally protects me right now. You can <laughs> still help people. I mean, he doesn't have to be exactly like Rambo, and Rambo didn't murder anyone in the first movie. It's not sure. until Stallone kind of forgot the message of what John Rambo was. John Rambo went an entire movie without murdering anybody. And that's, that's a whole my movie. John Rambo. <laughs> a whole that's movie. My... That's rare for Stallone. Yeah. 
But seriously, in the first in first blood, John Rambo doesn't kill anybody. All right, we've established so, that. Did you have um, any? Yeah. My main thing. Um, I a little bit. I don't. I don't. I mean, Rambo nowadays is a superhero, so I actually don't think that is like something that hinders Joe movie Joe's movie in any way whatsoever. I think the Rambo rule fits with the movie he pitched. The thing that I don't think fits with his movie is that he has way too much TV crossover for my for my liking for a big motion picture. I think, if nothing else, Game of Thrones has shown that just because people are good on TV, they're usually garbage in movies. There's been like maybe one or two actors that have actually been able to cross over. Um, and, I, and I think Joe picked not only the director of The Boys, but I'm not convinced Erin Moriarty can act until she shows it in like a big movie. She's fine in that show, but I think she may be the worst part of that show. Um, I think uh, in terms of that, I just think, you know, it's a Rambo movie, so you're not really asking people to act and it's more violence. But I think Joe just picked too many people that I'm not convinced can star in a big Hollywood movie. But I also think Matthew Vaughn, I'm disinterested in everything he's doing now because he's not doing anything original. um, And I don't need to see him do anything involving superheroes ever again. So, like, he's already done X-Men First Class. He's already done you know, kick-ass. He does basically the Kingsman movies, which are basically superhero movies, and he's continuing further down that rabbit hole. So I don't love um, either pitch at this moment in terms of directing choice or really cast choice. So I'm going to have to get sold on one or the other, and I'm not completely sold. But I don't think Joe's rule choice is uh, anything to question in terms if you've seen the newest Rambo movies. I think it fits in with, with the movie he pitched. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that and I still more context. So, I was gonna say I still need to answer Bobby's question. Yeah, um, well, yeah, Alex, go first. Your fight, yeah, yeah. So, um, as far as the the scenes and everything, basically, I still want you know, kind of, I want the action, the fighting to look similar, but I don't want it to be all gory and, um, you know, there's I, although that does make, um, that does make Kingsman great. I don't think that it fits this film or anything like that. So I still want kind of like the same sequences, but more so just from hand to hand combat rather than uh, anything else. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear you guys. Well, can I just defend one thing against Johnny as he was like talking about Aaron Moriarty, like her role, Aaron Moriarty's role in my movie is like a pretty small role. We're not asking her to do, anything big or crazy she's a like of the people i listed she probably has the smallest part in the movie so if that's like a knock against my movie is that aaron moriarty is in it that was mainly just my thing but even with like jack quaid and the director of the boys and i I feel like you named a bunch of tv people obviously you both have samuel jackson so like i just think it might be a little bit of a stretch to have some people that can't act like every time there's any of these game of thrones people cast in movies that's not Aquaman, like it takes me out of the movie every time they're on screen because they're so bad. And I'm just worried that you might have that same aspect in your movie. But that's that's really it. Yeah, Alex, what was your rule? I already forgot. Um, Charlie, oh, Charlie Sheen. So oh, yeah, he plays that, the villain. Yeah, that was my thing against yours. Is I don't know if Charlie Sheen as like they talked about my rule choice. I don't know if Charlie Sheen as the villain really fits this movie or like the villain in a Matthew Vaughn movie. I I could I feel like I feel like he I mean I wouldn't really ever see him as anything other than a villain in anything at this point just for the way he, I mean I, I don't want to say portrayed because that makes it sound like it's unfair 
Um, but just the way people view Charlie Sheen, I wouldn't necessarily ever want to see him as uh, a protagonist at this point. So, um, well, I mean, I get that. I just like because he's kind of like villainous in what, what was it, uh, whatever machete kills or whatever. But I just don't know if I see him as a villain in this particular I would, movie, and like I, I would buy it. I think that I could see him like as like this like kind of sleazy sleazy businessman, you know, especially when you look at what's going on right now with um, things in the world with people like Zuckerberg and, and everything, um, you know, the way people perceive them. I think that, I think that Charlie Sheen can absolutely come off just as sleazy. Um, I mean, he could be sleazy, but I don't know if he can act his way into believably being in that role. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I can really, as much as Johnny's going to hate this, I don't know that I can passionately defend that too much. Um, I do think real quick, just to go back onto your John Rambo, I, I don't know that I agree with the idea that, I mean, I get where Johnny's coming from saying that he is kind of a superhero at this point, but I, I kind of still feel like I, I fall in Bobby's court of, I don't know that I want Rambo at living in the same universe as, um, as superheroes and then eventually kind of teaming up with them. I just kind of seems but like he, doesn't team, worlds, he teams up with a kid that, that doesn't of, have powers. He doesn't team up with superheroes. Yeah, but he, you know, he works alongside them or, you know, frees them. I just think that um, meshing those two worlds together doesn't seem like something that would happen in a very smooth or organic way. It does when it's John Rambo. John Rambo can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's not wrong. (laughs) John Rambo had a cartoon where he was basically a superhero back in the day in like the 80s. My my John Rambo action figure came with a bow and arrow, a knife, three different guns, and a bazooka. So yeah, you right. can do. Can I just much say everything. that is there anything if anything you've seen Hawkeye do in the MCU that if John Rambo did, you'd be like, yeah, I don't believe that. Get a USB in the in and on the first try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that something Hawkeye does? He does with an arrow. Oh. <laughs> But I'm just saying, that. I don't. If, I don't know if there's anything I've seen Hawkeye do that I can't be like, oh, John Rambo couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my defense of putting John Rambo in the world of Up Up in a way. If that's the big knock against my movie, I don't think that. For I was gonna say, I don't. John Rambo sacrifice himself. I mean, he does in uh, whatever the most recent one was, or he tries. Spoiler to. alert! No, I... if you if you. If you I hadn't watched care. that movie, you had no it. interest in watching it. Making a joke. Yeah. yeah. All right. But I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say real quick, I think that for me, it's not that I don't believe that John Rambo can do those things. It's that I don't I it for me it's just kind of the crossover that I don't necessarily but like does anyone does anyone like I, it might hurt my pitch, but does anyone like super in love with John Rambo that seeing him in a movie with superheroes be like, oh, this ruins First Blood. I can't watch First Blood anymore. Like, the only, cares? Like, the only people that would ruin it for are people that like shouldn't have opinions about things. I feel like that's yeah. like old, that's... like old gun control people. So like, <laughs> who are like old against gun control people. So like, yeah, whatever. Like, I I agree with Joe on that. I'm well, no, I mean, that. who cares what I... those people think? I mean, yeah, my I don't think that that addresses what my question is, though. Yeah, and I, I, I get what you're That's, saying. Yeah. So, uh, I don't, does anyone else yeah. have anything I can defend against? You guys all good? Yeah. I'm also, yeah, I think they're good. I said my thing against Alex, and Johnny said a lot of what I was already going to say, but I don't know if Matthew Vaughn really, yeah. if I really want to see Matthew Vaughn do another superhero thing. 
Yeah. So before Johnny, you give yours, Jen, do you have anything on this movie? Because I, I don't know. I mean, does it, does any of this make sense for up, up and away? Um, well, I, this is not one of my favorite movies, but no, neither really makes sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> so I don't understand. I, I haven't seen much of Rambo, but I know the premise of him and I can kind of see where you're going, but I don't get it. And I don't get Charlie Sheen in this movie at all. I also really don't like him, so I don't get him in anything. So that doesn't really help anyway. Makes for him a good bad guy, then. <laughs> True. All right, so I guess. Not, that's not how that works. If Alex Rodriguez was a villain in a movie, that doesn't mean he'd be a good villain, just because I don't like him. Well, yeah, that's because he's the act. best baseball player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, Johnny. You'll you got Alex. Um, <laughs> my, my thing is this. Um... I think Joe addressed any issue I had with, with his and the violence of the boys fits with the violence of Rambo. Again, like he said with Hawkeye, like it's, it's just as believable for Rambo, if not more so for him to be in a world with superheroes than it is for Hawkeye to have a bow and arrow and be in a world with fricking Captain American, Iron Man. So like, I think it fits perfectly and it fits with his action and, like, I need to see Matthew Vaughn return to doing, like, things like Lair Cake and Stardust. I'm completely over him doing anything to do with superheroes. Like, that Matthew Vaughn is wasting his career away by doing these things. He basically has made the same movie for a decade. Um, and while some of them are good and some of them are, aren't good, I'd love for him to go the complete opposite direction of what he's been doing. And Charlie Sheen can't act. The best use of this rule for Charlie Sheen is if he is a cameo or a small role. If he was the bus driver in, you know, the Halloween Town movie they pitched, like, sure, he fits in. But he's the main, you know, villain of Alex's Matthew Vaughn movie. Like, I don't need to see Charlie Sheen trying to do Matthew Vaughn's um, style of humor and style of, uh, you know, quippy bad guy. Like, he needs a capable villain and and i don't see charlie sheen being that as in a movie so if he was a cameo and you had a real actor be your villain i, I think maybe i'd be leaning a little more towards yours but i think joe matched his rule with his pitch with his movie it's what i'd rather see even though it would probably be like a very stupid action movie i would much rather see Hell that yeah than matthew vaughn waste his career on what would be like another average kingsman 2 level movie so that's my thoughts. Yeah, and I, I kind of figured, and this this is where uh, Johnny and my movie tastes differ, I believe, because um, the only movie that Matthew Vaughn has done that I do not like is Kingsman 2. Um, but I still kind of generally enjoy that one. And I think Charlie Sheen could be a perfect villain in a Matthew Vaughn-styled movie. In that style, and that, that type of movie, I Bad think he acting. could fit. Uh, kind of, yeah. And I think that could actually work. And honestly, with Joe, the Rambo thing is just throwing me off. Um, I I think Rambo being the superhero like character, whether like even in the most recent ones, I, I he should be the best thing about that world, and he's the super heroic one. I don't like him being in a world where superheroes exist. Um, I also don't like the guys from the boys What's doing super the exact... heroic than saving superheroes. Right. But I also, terrorists. but I also don't like the Come idea on. of the guys from the boys doing pretty much the same thing where you have a violent superhero movie um, going from TV to movies and doing that same thing. You brought a lot of TV actors and characters. Um, I didn't love either of them. It's not like I love Alex's pitch, but I think Joe is a little too repetitive from the boys with the guy, the people that you cast. 
Um, and I don't love making Rambo set in the world of superheroes. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Alex. So he's going to go up three, two. Bad decision. Wrong. Good decision. Um, all right, Joe, if you yeah, can cast. Guns, man. Okay, pitch Joe's movie, but with Lexi Alexander instead of the boys person. I think that is like the person he should have gone that's for. Better. It would have been that great. Is, that's but better. But yeah, that I think in terms of like his movie reminded me of Punisher Warzone, where it's like, if you like Rambo, you're going to like this movie. And that's yeah. all he was going for. And then uh, we, we have some live comments. Some I know live I didn't, I, comments. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to get to it before my judgment because I, I knew I was going to differ from Johnny there. So. Uh, Jordan Wright says, was Mr. Dupe saying uh, Game of Thrones actors, actresses suck outside of the series? Uh, yeah. Because, yes, I mean, yeah. like Clark especially. Yeah, most of them do. Uh, I mean, Peter They're Dinklage. pretty much all terrible. Peter Dinklage is great. And uh, maybe one or two, but I haven't even seen Game of Thrones yet. So. Jason Momoa and Peter Dinklage are, I feel like, the only people yeah. that have carried and, over. Uh, uh, Lannister, Tristan. Which one's that? Wait, which one? What? Who, who Lannister? Is it which one Uh Tristan uh, Meyer says know. most Rambo movies suck. Uh, Wrong. I mean, bad. No, I think yeah. coming from the guy like who bought Warcraft on 4K. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zachary DeFrank says I'm confused. Where is the donate I'll, button? I'll send you, you my Venmo. That. Yeah, <laughs> there. Joe, Joe, the Joe says Venmo <laughs> at Joseph Fricky. No, we we have uh, we should set up Streamlabs and and after every movie we we request donations and fund the show. So that should be our next next goal. Yeah. All right. Is that all we like got? Work. All right. So is it my pitch or my turn? Yeah. So it, it's three two. Joe, you're on the ropes. One more point for Alex, and he wins. Um, but and my, uh, my Joe, the one I was there. least rooting for is uh, still on the board. So. I don't want to go with that one. I want to at least try to make this interesting. So I'm going to go with Xenon. Okay. This is the only movie that I have officially seen the entire one of. And that's because Jen put it out on Disney plus like a month ago, maybe. And I, and I watched it. It's okay. So uh, yeah. Um, I'll give a quick rundown. Uh, Xenon girl of the 21st century came out in 1999. Uh, does not have a critic score and has an audience score of 62%. Uh, directed by Kenneth Johnson. An inquisitive teenager finds herself involved with suspected dodgy dealing on her space station home, on her space station home, and ends up being sent down to Earth. Uh, it's pretty much a fish out of water type of movie with kind of an investigation. That's kind of what I got out of it on who's the bad guy. So, uh, yeah, could be fun. Let's hear your pitches. All right, I'll go first. I don't know if I said that or not. Okay. Well, uh, my director is going to be uh, Nicholas Winding Ruffin, who did Bronson, Drive, and uh, Neon Demon. Uh, my Xenon is going to be Al Fanning. Uh, replacing Raven Simone as Nebula Wade is going to be Zendaya. Uh, the commander of the space station is going to be Brian Cranston. Uh, Xenon's parents are going to be Edward Norton and Kate Blanchett. Her Aunt Judy is going to be uh, Judy Greer from Ant-Man and the new Halloween movie. Uh, the kind of love interest Greg is going to be uh, Noah uh, Centineo from To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Uh, the kind of mean girl Margie is going to be Catherine Newton from Big Little Lies. Uh, and uh, Greg's friend Andrew is going to be Quincy Faust from Logan. Uh, and then pop star Protozoa is going to be John Legend. And then the two villains, the main villain of the movie 
uh, is going to be Parker Wyndham, the uh, billionaire owner of the space station, played by Oscar Isaac. And then uh, Xenon's teacher, Mr. Lutz, is going to be played by Charlie Sheen. Uh, so... In 2070, teenager Xenon and her friend Nebula live on a space station orbiting Earth where their parents work. Growing up outside of Earth has made them really weird, like emotionless and creepy weird. Uh, Noticing what life on the station has done to their daughter, Xenon's parents send her to Earth to live with her Aunt Judy. There, Xenon befriends Earth Earth kids who try to bring humanity out of her, including popular boy Greg and his genius friend Andrew. Uh, popular girl Margie tries to sabotage Xenon and Greg's friendship, and they even teach her about pop star Protozoa. Uh, eventually, Xenon realizes someone is trying to destroy the space station with a virus. Uh, she must get back to the space station in time to save her family and friends. Uh, she remembers uh, from her Earth friends that Protozoa is performing on the space station that night. She sneaks aboard his ship. It is revealed that Parker Wyndham, the space station's billionaire owner, was behind it trying to get insurance money. And that's my pitch. All right, that's interesting. Um, I have some questions, but I want to hear Alex's pitch first. So let's get to that. Okay. Um, I just realized I didn't put where people are from uh, on this. So let me just, I'm just Googling my main character so I can make sure I tell everybody. They're all from right Game things. of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, okay, so my movie. Uh, is starring um, Florence Pugh as uh, Xenon. Little Women. Um, yes, from Little Women. Uh, and then Fighting I got with Renee. my family. I never Let's just see movies. As, yeah, just, anybody else got any more? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> up. Up, up, and away. Uh, Tom Hanks, I believe he was in Forrest Gump as Commander nope, Plank. Wrong. <laughs> uh, I also have Zendaya as Nebula. Some cloud. Um, Euphoria, then, uh, Emmy uh, Award winner, <laughs> most one of the most beautiful women in the world. Uh, and then I have uh, her aunt Judy is Renee Zelliger, oh. uh, who Jason is... just jumped off the fucking shelf at me. That's crazy. Sorry, good. I don't know what Alex's pitch is, but yeah, this fucker <laughs> just jumped off the shelf. He just said <laughs> Renee Zelliger. Got it. Renee Zelliger. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll make someone <laughs> want to come after you. <laughs> And then my director is Todd Phillips. So I'm going with the 92nd Academy Awards um, films. So I pretty much just follow the entire regular normal plot of it. I want it to be a little bit more funny, though. Um, so Todd Phillips recently kind of talked about how the reason, one of the reasons he wanted to switch from comedies is because he doesn't feel that you can be as outlandish and crazy as you once were. Um, so I want to see this as something that's him trying to go back to comedy, but not being like hangover level of like comedy, um, kind of just something that's a little bit more PG 13 family friendly, but, um, so it's kind of going to combine both his ability to go, uh, serious, uh, with Joker, obviously we're not going to that level, but then also, um, kind of his humor background to, um, let him kind of try a new path. Uh, and that's all I really have. I didn't, I didn't change too much of the plot. Okay. Um, so my only question, cause I, I mean, I, I have actually seen this movie, so I kind of, I understand Alex's pitch. Uh, Johnny might have some questions because he has not, you know, seen the movie and knows kind of the plot, but uh, for Joe, um, Nicholas Winding Ruffin is, is a very, um, he's not very accessible as a director. Most of his movies are pretty slow and violent and I enjoy and them. Bad. Very bad. Uh, 
Very bad yeah. director. He's done some very odd movies to say the least. And I really don't see how it fits this one. So can you kind of defend that? Yeah, I think my, cause I think what doesn't come across in my pitch more, but would come across more in the movie is like the movie is a lot more of her just being like this weird, creepy girl living on earth. And everyone's like, what the hell is wrong with you? And like her slowly becoming more like, I don't want to say normal, but just like gaining emotion and like gaining compassion for people and not being like super, just almost like I don't want to say scary but like creepy like she's just creepy throughout the movie and her becoming more like gaining humanity I guess All like right. she would just like stand sit, sit, like stand in a room and just like stare at people and you're like what the fuck is wrong with this chick alright so I mean based on Johnny's face too I think and Jen as I described it we need to hear some defenses I think a little bit more on yours um, I mean Alex didn't give a ton so I'd like to hear some more on his pitch as well and kind of tell us a little bit more about his movie but um i'm still um fused yeah my my question i mean alex okay remind me of the rule again for this but were you only were you only supposed to cast people who are nominated for awards or you had to cast like one from each category because alex cast people that were not nominated oh yeah so did joe you yeah, I had to, Timothy Chalamet and uh, you just had else to you just had to get somebody from each of those spots, each of the yeah. category. Okay, but so you, you can, can cast like Zendaya if you cast those other people. That's what my yeah, question yeah, was yeah, for yeah, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. My question for Joe is, the fuck kind of choice is that for your director, dude? Yeah. Come on, man. I I, Have you I, seen I, Only God Forgives and The Neon Demon? Like those I've movies seen, are unwatchable. I've seen Drive and Bronson. That's what I've seen. Yeah, though he's he hasn't done anything good since then. But I once used and won a rule when I cast um what's that piece of shit's name that did uh District Nine and nothing else. Uh, oh, Neil- yeah. Neil Blomkamp who did chat. Okay, so that. Neil Blomkamp I, I think is someone who could do a comeback. So Joe, you just have to pitch to me because I like everything else about your movie. You have to pitch to me why Nicholas Wingding, whatever the hell, Refin is uh is primed for a comeback when he is the most art house style director ever and has made really garbage films since drive which is one of my favorite movies and so is bronson but everything else has been like real real bad because i feel like if you take a disney channel original movie which is like cookie cutter as it gets and then you combine it with an art house like weird unwatchable at some point in the middle you get something that's slightly more mainstream like a drive or a bronson that's more appealing to people than a neon demon or an only God forgives, which is like too far in one direction. Or if you like, okay, this is inspired by a Disney channel original movie. It's like brought slightly more back towards the middle. Okay. And then my other question is how I haven't seen the movie. How big of a role is Charlie Sheen as the teacher in your movie? Uh, The teacher like shows up at the beginning to teach the class and then he appears like one more time and then you find out he was like helping the villain at the end okay so it's so not like, like a super small big role. it's like it's like above a cameo but below supporting got it okay that makes sense that's all i got yeah i, mean, I just need to hear you guys fight because uh yeah other than the director choice, which is really throwing me off on your tone, I do like a lot of the rest of it. So it's not killing your argument 
Um, and Alex- I mean, my main thing to ha- hard to argue against Alex is, is he's basically like, I made the same movie and it's just all Oscar winners. So it's like, I don't know what you change. I don't know if Oscar winners are going to basically. I need to hear more about your movie, Alex, because. Um, yeah, because I don't, I don't know if Oscar winners are going to show up to do a remake of a Disney Channel original movie that doesn't bring anything else extra to it besides just being a Disney Channel original movie. I don't know if Florence Pugh's like, I want to do what Kirsten Storms did. I, I can recreate that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I accidentally deleted where I wrote the plot. So that's kind of why I decided to just say, yeah, it stays the same. I mean, I did pretty much keep it the same. Um, so I think for me, it's the opportunity to retell the story in a little bit more of a actual feature film style. Um, you know, like I said, having Todd Phillips in this, um, he's, he's been kind of trying different things lately, obviously. Um, he didn't direct, uh, Star is Born, but he was one of the producers on that. Um, and then he also um, obviously did Joker. So I think it's more so a chance to, um, I guess, change the tone to make it a little bit more serious, but also humorous at the same time um, while using kind of more up-to-date humor. But also you're not going to worry about if this movie was made trying to use Todd Phillips humor in 2011, it would just not even be something that anybody could anybody could defend. So I think it's a chance to just completely revamp it. Um, as far as the reason, the other reasons for not really wanting to change it, I don't really feel like there was a whole lot of like, even though it is a Disney movie, I don't really remember there being much of a story that like you come out of it thinking like, Oh, that's, you know, it's the friendship is the most important thing in the world. Um, other than kind of, you get to see this girl who was an alien and how she doesn't know how to be a human. Um, so I, I didn't feel like that was necessary for this either. Uh, so to me, this is a movie that kind of just, I know this probably isn't the best events, but it's a movie that'll just kind of exist. I don't expect it to be great. Uh, but I also think that it could be fun to watch. Right. And I think one of the things, the one thing for mine of why I took it in the direction I did is like in the original, she's basically like any other girl. And she just like says weird things like Zeta Silpitas and everyone treats her and acts like she's some like crazy person and like weird and kind of just a lot of people like treat her as an outcast. So I wanted to go and make her actually weird and creepy and make her like there's a reason why they're treating her different. And so that's why I did what I did. And then my main another thing I said again, I thought about against Alex is it's like he wants Todd Phillips to do a different style of comedy and we know he can direct comedy, but I don't know if he goes and tries to do a different style of comedy, if that would work. Like uh, Taika Waititi has his brand of comedy, but if he tried to basically, like if you tried to force him and have him do like an Edgar Wright style of movie, I don't know if it would necessarily work just because we know he can direct one style of comedy. I don't know if that guarantees that he can do another style. So then if you have all of these Oscar winners, in a style of comedy movie that doesn't fully work and a movie that's essentially just a complete 100% remake of a decom. I don't know if that would even be even watchable. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, um, I think the, the reason that I felt like it was, it was kind of okay to say like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to change the style is because of how outspoken Todd Phillips has been. Um, because I think if he was going to try a comedy, not man, always for the best. Yeah. I know I'm not saying that it's a a positive necessarily but I'm just saying the fact like he's made it kind of clear that he wouldn't even bother trying to do another one of those kind of mid 2010 area comedies so 
I think if he was going to try it, he would, if he was going to try another comedy, he would want to switch it up. Yeah. Okay. I just and don't know. So, like, I'm not saying he wouldn't switch it up. I just don't know if it would necessarily be successful of him yeah. doing a different style of comedy. I don't know. That's only, that's the last thing I have to say against that really, unless someone brings up a different point. No, I was kind of, we were kind of discussing the type of comedy that might be in that type in that movie. But, uh, um, so Johnny, before you give yours, Jen, do you have any thoughts based on those pitches? I know we just watched this movie. So this is actually mm-hmm. the one I know the best out of all these, because I've actually seen it all the way through and within the last couple months. So um, I can see kind of where Joe's going with changing it up because when one of the things is, is with Xenon being living in space on the space station, there's supposed to be these big differences with the way that they live versus the way that the kids live on earth with fashion with speech with um mannerisms that i think in the original movie is kind of cutesy as you're kind of saying with like zeta the way they talk and i can see where you're going with it um uh changing up to make it a little bit more stark differences i think that's where you're going with it yeah 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 understanding correctly um i don't quite understand the point of or how you have with protozoa since it was kind of the big connection piece between the space station and um, the same with adolescents on the teenagers on earth and the teenagers on um, the space station. That was kind of the one connection piece of the two that kind of brought them both together. So I don't understand just finding out about that when she gets to earth Um, for Alex. Um, you know, making it more a different comedy, making it a little bit more with some better actors. Um, I can see how that could make it a little bit more interesting to watch and keeping it more with the Disney kind of theme. So I enjoy that because I really enjoy Xenon as it is. So I can see kind of updating it with a uh, better comedy in that and better actors. Okay. Johnny, what do you got to help me out? Cause I'm, I think I know where I'm going on this, but um, I, it, it's pretty close. Here's what I have to say is Joe's initial directing choice is pretty much the only thing that kind of threw me off. But honestly, the more Alex uh, described the movie, cause I don't know anything about this about, you know, like a, an alien girl who's trying to connect with the world and the people around her. I actually do think this movie fits with Joe's director better than I initially thought. Um, in terms of the character, because it's going to be someone who is very emotionless and then trying to gain those emotions. And if I'm going to knock Joe for his directing choice, because the guy hasn't done a movie in a while that's very good, Drive is one of my favorites, and it's better than anything um, Todd Phillips has done, and so is Bronson. So at least he has a higher um, ceiling than than Todd Phillips. I like to Joker, but it's no groundbreaking film. And other than that, the only like movie that he's maybe done two other movies that are, that are good. And it's um, probably like the first hangover movie and uh, old school and yeah. old school was almost 20 years ago. And the hangover doesn't hold up in today's humor. And Todd Phillips literally came out and said how against you know, comedy he is now because it's impossible to make a comedy in, in 2020 and all this. And I don't think he fits the movie Alex pitched. If Alex pitched a Joker style, very serious Todd Phillips movie, 
that actually fits with what Todd Phillips is actually interested in doing now. But bringing Todd Phillips back to comedy was a very poor decision. So I actually think Joe wins this point for me because I think Nicholas Wingding Refn can actually have a comeback. Um, and I don't think Todd Phillips, I'm very interested in ever him going back to comedy. Um, and Alex made a, a kind of a fatal mistake to me by, by picking Todd Phillips to make more of a comedic uh, film. So I'm going to go with Joe. Right. And that's kind of where, as the arguments played out, as I was leaning to, because Alex, although I did initially like your pick because a more comedic version of the movie, I mean, I actually think the plot and the general idea of this movie is pretty good for a Disney Channel movie and could work. Um, but even you said yourself that this movie would be kind of in one ear, out the other, kind of forgettable but watchable, where Joe's is a little bit more memorable um, with a director that can add a little style to it. So, um, yeah, I, I think your director fit the more you argued it. And I liked Joe's pitch and I'd like to see it come down to this last movie. So, uh, I'm going to give it to Joe. Right. We got some go. live comments as well. We got live comments and I'm going to step away for a minute as you guys go through them. Uh, Tristan says, uh, love neon demon would be quite the transition to a decom. And he also said like Joe's director, once he talked on it more, feel like him finding a middle ground would launch him into the conversation again. Yeah. I liked that point a lot. That's what kind of swayed me for you because I think he's someone who could make a comeback, but maybe sticking with his full art house is, uh, is what's hurting his career. So, so I, I liked your, your choice on, on, uh, on wingdings over there. Yeah. It hurt me only releasing Bronson and uh, drive. I'd never seen Neon demon or whatever the other bad ones were. So I just looked at his good work and was like, mm-hmm. only, only God forgives is like, Oh, you like to drive. Well, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to take all of the interesting stuff out. So we're just going to have Ryan Gosling be emotionless, but then we're going to make it very slow and boring and make it all about just boring cinematography, which, cause it's nothing groundbreaking. So that's kind of what he did. And then Neon Demon was just like, I don't know. I mean, Tristan says he likes it. Maybe I have to rewatch it. But at the time I saw it, I was not interested in it. You know, I was just like, Oh, well, this is at best, like a forgettable average movie. It, it's like, it's a totally different movie than hotel Artemis, but in terms of like quality of movie, it's just like that, like it's perfectly fine, but it's nothing great. So, you know, yeah. but he hasn't made anything as bad as the hangover sequel. So I think that, I think that's um, what hurt Todd Phillips in that argument. Alex, how are you feeling about Johnny tsunami? Cause I don't know how I'm feeling better than I'm I think you are, because when you said that you had two left and one, you didn't like mine that I didn't like was Xenon. So, yeah. all right. And I think I already know what your rule is. I, I'm I'm never good at remembering people's rules, so I couldn't even tell you what you yeah, said. Well, I'm um I have been because I've been keeping stats on which rules win what arguments, and these are two completely different rule choices. So this will be uh, very interesting. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I know what rule he went with now. Yeah. Well, right. I'm about to stay. Alex, who's going first? Uh, I'll go first. All right. Bobby. All right. So Johnny Tsunami. Uh, which again has no critic score, um, but has a 62% audience score is directed by Steve Boyum. I think the second movie um, in this list directed by him. Uh, yeah. Uh, Motocross was the same director. Uh, young Hawaiian surfer, Johnny Kapala uh, gets root, gets a rude awakening when he is, when his dad relocates to Vermont, a state seriously lacking waves. 
There, he struggles to fit in at a private school where everyone skis. Luckily for Johnny, he meets public school student Sam, who instructs him in the art of snowboarding. And when a rivalry brews between Johnny and snooty skier Brett, they decide to settle their rivalry on the slopes. Okay. Sounds oh, like that was... a movie. So. Yeah. Uh, so my uh, director for this is Sean McNamara, who did Soul Surfer. He did some of the three ninja movies. He actually directed some DCOMs as well. Um, my Johnny Capahala is Ryan Potter from Titans and Big Hero 6. Uh, Johnny's dad is played by uh, Daniel Day Kim. Uh, and then Sam is played by uh, Caleb McLaughlin from uh, Stranger Things. Uh, so I just switched up a little bit. Um, and rather than it being his whole family moved, I have that he moved to Colorado with his dad after his family's divorce. Uh, so Johnny's life is flipped upside down when his uh, dad announces that he'll be moving to Breckenridge, Colorado for his new job. As he uh, begins to assimilate to the new, much colder home, he tries picking up a popular sports uh, going on at a school where skiing reigns supreme. Not taking a liking to it, he notices some kids on the other side of the mountain snowboarding. Uh, his interest is then peaked, and he begins uh, a friendship with Sam, who is from his rival school. Johnny joins the rival school in the snowboarding after school and picks it up well enough to enter a competition between the ski side and the snowboard side, where every year they race for the rights to get all of opening week the next year to themselves. The snowboarders keep referring to Johnny throughout the movie as their X factor in the race. Johnny wins the final race, and during the winning ceremony, there's a celebrity performer, DMX, who comes out and performs X Gonna Give It To You uh, as Johnny and his friends celebrate their victory and plan their next year uh, winning on the slopes. All right. All right. Pretty straightforward. Uh, let's hear yours, Joe. All right. So uh, my director is uh, James Bobin, who directed a lot of the recent Muppet movies because I made mine a Muppet movie. Uh, my Johnny Capahala is going to be played by uh, KJ Appa, who is currently in Riverdale. Uh, I looked it up because I was looking, I wanted a like Polynesian actor and I was looking it up and he was on a list and I'm like, really? Because I, I, he doesn't look Polynesian. I looked him up. His dad is actually like a chief of his village in Samoa. And I'm like, oh shit. So with KJ Appa, uh, his parents are going to be played by Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. Uh, his grandpa, who's a legendary surfer, uh, Johnny Tsunami, is going to be played by Animal. Uh, his best friend, Sam Sterling, is going to be played by Fozzie Bear. His love interest, Emily, is going to be played by Angoras Rice from Spider-Man and the Nice Guys. And then the rival skier kid, Brett, is going to be played by Gonzo. And then there's kind of a subplot in the movie of the guy that runs the ski shop and the guy that runs the uh, snowboard shop on opposite side of the mountains are identical twin brothers. And that's kind of a running joke in between. And then at the end of the movie, when the skiers and the snowboarders come together, they finally like come together and talk again because they haven't talked in years. Well, in my movie, they're not going to be identical twin brothers. It's going to be Statler and Waldorf. One of them runs the ski shop and one of them runs the snowboard shop. And so my plot's going to be very much the same. A surfer kid uh, moves to Vermont when his dad uh, transfers his job there. And originally he tries to ski, but he's not good at skiing. And he takes to snow, uh, snowboarding, or he takes to snowboarding, which becomes a problem because he's a private school kid. Private school kids are supposed to ski. Public school kids are supposed to snowboard. 
and, and eventually him and Brett uh, have to race down the mountain. Brett skis, Johnny snowboards. In the movie, mostly it's all about being a good friend. Uh, all the messages are good for kids. You know, it's about following your passions and being who you are, which is why, which I thought fit for a Muppet movie. And that's my pitch. Okay. So what I got are pretty similar toned movies, but you have one essentially live action remake and one you got Muppet remake. Um, you have the plots relatively similar. Um, I like them both. I, I kind of need to hear some arguments. I don't really have any questions. Um, Johnny, do you have anything to ask? My, my main thing with uh, Joe's is I know his parents are, you know, Miss Biggie and Kermit the Frog, but how much are Muppets involved in yours? Because I feel like it kind of stepped away from that at a, at a point in your pitch. It wasn't very Muppety. That is true. I mean, a lot of the main characters were. There's, there's only two human characters in the movie, the main kid and then his love interest. Everyone else is a Muppet. So the guy he's like, Going yeah, the, against, like, yeah, the arrival is got that he ski that skis is Gonzo. Okay, okay, I mean, I just missed who all the Muppets were. That's, yeah, so that's what and, and Animal is his grandfather, the okay. legendary surfer. All right, so how do you explain friend. a human? I didn't being have to explain that Muppet when parent. Adam Driver's parents were Kermit the Frog and Miss Picky. All right, no if, it's canon, if it's canon and Muppets that that happened, then I, I'll take it. But I, 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 I don't know one. if it's canon or not. That was going to be my I've question. Ever, I don't know if that's yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever actually seen a Muppet movie outside like Muppet Treasure Island. So really, okay. I've never seen a Muppet movie, but I, I like the, the closest idea of I've them. seen. Is, yeah, the closest I've seen is Cousin Skeeter. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Johnny, you haven't seen Muppet Treasure Island? We grew up. I've together. never seen a single <laughs> Muppet movie. No, <laughs> we didn't watch it in the car. I'm not I actively guess, searching I, out Muppet movies. All right, I I guess I've seen more more of those than I than you have. I've um, seen more Muppet like show. If they had a TV show, I've seen that. All right, I, I saw guess. Muppet Babies. I've seen all the Waldorf and Scatler stuff. They're my faves. And yeah. I feel like Joe lacked them. I, they're in my movie. Of Are you listening to my pitch? Yeah, no, uh, maybe, I, maybe I, not. I, I liked how you placed them as the two opposite. Were they the pro shot? They're the two brothers, yeah. Two brothers. Oh, okay. I just don't know the original movie, so I didn't understand yeah. the roles. Anyway. So, um, Jen, do you have any questions? This is way different. I didn't know the original Johnny Tsunami wasn't about surfing, so this is throwing me off completely. Yeah. Do you don't like it. Before we get their ideas, because uh, I just need to hear him fight it out. But do you have any? So his, like everybody besides Johnny, and his love and just well, are not Muppet Johnny, or... but the main character, because Johnny's yeah, that's Gonzo. Johnny. Oh, it is okay. You said yeah. someone was Gonzo. I thought was no, Johnny. guys, right. I'm I'm Johnny. <laughs> I'm Johnny. What? No, Brett's Gonzo. <laughs> it's throwing me with the fact that the main character is a human, but everybody else is a Muppet. I don't I mean, that's get it. usually how Muppet movies go, don't they? There's usually like one. I haven't actually seen any Muppet movies. I just know of the Muppets. <laughs> I, am I the seen Muppet movies here? <laughs> There's no Muppets, apparently, we've discovered. <laughs> Why is this a rule in our in our show we created if you don't, don't know them? And then you have a human. Yeah, you usually a, have like a human normal? main character reacting to a bunch of Muppets. Well, no, that's fine. That's yeah, you know, Jason well, Segel was in one. And, and the, or the uncle yeah. that is a Muppet, but he is not a Muppet. Yeah, 
So I was going to say, just going it's on. Family, it's the family dynamic. Yeah. Why can't we have this conversation when Alex is pitching his Muppet movie? Yeah. His, made his mine, was a, mine was an all, muff, all Muppet <laughs> movie. All Muppets. They were all Muppets. Uh. Yeah, I didn't yeah, everyone. Him. Him. But, but we didn't have to go into the genetics of Muppets. <laughs> real quick, though, I think I think that Joe's would have stood off, like stood alone better if it was like the one school he goes to is all like regular humans, and then the other school, the snowboarding school, is all the Muppets. So then that's Ooh. kind of showing the going against, um, you know, going, you know, kind of going to the other side of like, you, you know, you're one of us, you're one of the humans. Why are you going and snowboarding with those guys? Um, because they do kind of make it seem like a little bit of a class thing in the original Johnny Tsunami. Yeah, but mine's Joe, like the good Muppets. that's a tough one to defend. Mine's the good, like you have a lot of the Muppets are always villains, like your Gonzos and whatnot are always like bad guys in these Muppet things. So they and could so, have been. Well, no, because so that's why I wanted Gonzo. And then you've got like Rizzo the rat. It's like in his crew of skier kids. Well, then you could have even done it. I guess you could have flipped it too. Like maybe Johnny originally goes to the school with all the Muppets. So you're saying like, Muppets are bad now? Like I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying that the movie could have implied that they didn't get along uh, and because of their differences. Because, I mean, that's kind of a common theme in the world is people not getting along. So what if I'm saying everyone's always... What that was I'm the theme in the original, though. Yeah, that's that's what all these protests are about: people not getting along. <laughs> <laughs> but that was. But what if wait, I thought they were friends? Yeah, like no, but like in the original, they literally like they're like, oh, those are like the poor people that snowboard. Yeah, but what if I'm saying? But in that movie, you're almost saying we're all inherently different. In my version, I'm saying, hey, aren't we all kind of the same? Because they're all Muppets. But they're not all Muppets. Well, okay, the lead <laughs> isn't, but I'm saying <laughs> people on both sides of the mountain, people on both sides of this argument of, like, skiers or snowboarders, both of them are Muppets. If I inherently make the skiers people and then the Muppets Muppets, but then at the end I'm saying we're all the same, people are going to be like, but you're not the same because some of you are Muppets and some of you are people. Like, all of the people I on the one side. I don't feel like that. I feel like either you're doing that at the beginning or the end. Like, you're not... Like either you're saying at the beginning we're all the same and but we're not, or you're like you're. Right. So, I'm just saying the skiers ski and the snowboarders snowboard, and they're all Muppets. I don't know if necessarily <laughs> all Muppets. Like, I have a That's pretty clear judgment on that argument. Do you have anything else on either of your movies? Yeah, I feel like your movie is the exact same thing. It's just DMX is at the end for the most part of the original. Uh, it's a similar movie, but that I mean the plot line there isn't the. Uh, is there even that like the race and everything that has not like I added that little plot point I've changed with a little bit of, I mean, you kind of changed a little bit around the race, but there's I, still the race at the end between yeah. Brett and Johnny with like Johnny's on a snowboard and he's skiing. Yeah. And then adding in kind of the divorce factor in there too. Like, so I mean, you just really changed too. like the reason for the move of it's just a divorce instead of his dad transfers. His dad gets transferred for his job. But I don't know if that's really changing the movie. I mean, I think I think the dynamic of somebody getting like moved to an entire new new place, like changing it also and adding a divorce in there does kind of like add to the having to adjust to a whole new life. I mean, he um, do, he he moves from Hawaii to Vermont in the original. Now you're just saying he goes from Hawaii to Colorado. I don't know if that's really like changing things. They are have you ever been places. to either of those two places? Oh, uh, yeah. But also, have, have I'm you ever saying, have you ever could, do people surf in Colorado? I don't think they're surfing in Vermont either. That's what I'm saying. It's just that from like a movie. They, 
They could. I'm just I saying, think... from a movie standpoint of like changing I... the original, I don't know if there's much changing between making it Colorado instead of Vermont. That the these the location doesn't change a whole lot, other than to me, I associate when people talk about skiing, I associate Colorado a lot more than I associate Vermont. I'm so just saying for me, the original is just... Vermont. So I, when we're talking about, I don't know if you changed the movie much. Hey, you guys know. are literally hitting on yeah. points that do not matter. Like that, yeah, I, I don't think that that's Vermont something versus that. Colorado. I, I, like, I, like I for me, that was just that doesn't that doesn't change my art. You know, my to be yeah. fair, Colorado. Well, that was Colorado just my point of like I don't think you really changed place. the original movie that much, and it's I don't know. But I never like I never said that the location changes anything. Like that was just for my own. Oh, I get that. I'm just saying yeah, but that you brought that up as like a thing that I don't know who brought it up first, but I'm just saying, I don't know if you changed the movie like that much of from the original to be like worthy of like, this is a theatrical release of Johnny Tsunami. Okay. So we're at three, three. Do you guys have ever, any arguments that you really need to hit before I make my decision to get the winner here? Yeah, I just think my movie with being a Muppets, it's a message for kids about like everyone can get along. We're all the same, you know, even some of I mean, the Muppets all look different. So it's like, hey, we all look a little different, but we're all the same. We all can get along whether you like to surf or whether you like to snowboard or whether you like to ski. I don't know if that's all I got to say as a defensive mind. Yeah, I mean, I think mine, before I defend mine, I still think that if that's your, the message you're trying to portray, I think it would have just, I still believe that separating the Muppets and humans would have just, I guess, accentuated that a little bit more. Um, but as far as my, my pitch, I think, um, I think it keeps the spirit of, of the original movie. Um, you know, I, I feel like my rule usage, I didn't make DMX like a central character. It's just kind of like a little, a little piece of it. Um, and I think that it kind of just, adds to the celebration of it and rather than it being like a weird plot point that doesn't make sense like sure people have end of the year parties that have performers at it and things like that so i think um overall that's kind of my my pitch can i say one more final thing that yeah. a, a point i haven't brought up before sure. go for it, for it. Alex has yeah, a my thing, we can do it my, yeah my thing against your rule is i feel like the reason for the dmx cameo is like the scene in top five that's like a comedic scene and i don't know if just like dmx like coming on and singing is like gonna be a memorable dmx cameo that everyone's gonna leave the theater being like oh it's really like great when dmx showed up and just wrapped rough riders anthem like i don't know if that's gonna be i feel like that's that's like i think that that's a little bit like trying to get a little too specific on the rule i mean i'm not the one who came up with the rule but to me, I think that the cameo should just be any sort of cameo. Well, it I'm just have saying, to be I'm not most, saying you, you know, didn't yeah. use the rule right. I'm just saying yeah. I don't know if it was like the best use of that rule. Yeah. And that's all I had to say. Okay. All right. Uh, we have, so I'll start with Jen. Do you have anything based on their arguments? Then I'll get to Johnny and then my ruling. Um, I don't have a whole lot. I can say, Joe, I can see how if you're going for a, um, uh, kid-friendly message in that that the Muppets would go well with that. I just am tripped up on the whole family dynamic thing, so it just doesn't help me much. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Okay. Johnny, do you have anything? I, I think I know where I'm going, but I, I, I'd like to hear your input. Tristan uh, first says, you could tell me anything was Muppet canon, and I'd believe you. Um, honestly... Movies. And then Jordan, according to Joe, Colorado equals Vermont. Legal weed, no surfing, definitely the same place. All right. Um, 
I don't give a shit about Colorado versus Vermont, except one of those states has a hockey team named the Avalanche and is definitely known more for mountains. Um, so I would go with Colorado for that anyway. But here's my thing. Alex argued the point the best um, in terms of this. If Joe had pitched his movie, kid from Hawaii um, is a is a great surfer. Maybe he's kind of a uh, like he has a full head. And he's kind of a dick and he makes fun of a Muppet or something like that. Then he moves to Vermont or Colorado or wherever. And he goes to a private school and he's stuck being with Muppets who he's already shown distaste for. And then he feels like he's the one bullied because none of the Muppets like him. Then through, you know, snowboarding, instead of skiing, he becomes accepted by the Muppets. And instead of being his parents, Miss Piggy and Kermit are more of like the moral guideline characters to him and kind of show him that everyone, you know, can be friends. It doesn't matter if you have differences, um, you know, just show him that you care about him. And then the kid learns lessons at the end and everyone fits in. Everyone gets along. Doesn't matter if you're human or Muppet. There's Joe's movie. Alex basically <laughs> said that in his pitch and it made Joe's movie better. And Joe pitched a movie that didn't make sense. It didn't actually teach kids lessons like a Muppet movie should, or like a Disney movie should. Um, so I think that on the strength of that, um, Joe's movie kind of loses. And Alex might have stuck close to the original, but I've never seen the original, and his movie sounded more interesting and more like a movie that would get made than Joe's. And because Alex named his character, like his nickname is The X Factor, X going to give it to you is a very funny, amazing cameo by DMX at the end. So I think that is a great, not only him just performing, but also it fits with the story, fits with the character. I like the idea of X going to give it to you being the X factors like theme song at the end. I think that works perfectly. So yeah. I would give the win to Alex, um, but you know, we'll see that's what, what Disney's going to do. They're going to make a movie where they have Muppets bullying a kid. Yeah. They, well, could, you know they could deal with deal, deal with deal with bullying. It would be good. <laughs> Honestly, I think one of the best takedown arguments we've had on this show happened during this pitch, and that was Alex to Joe's because you made you made Joe's pitch much better. That yep. that pretty much decided it for me. Um, I, I you know keeping it the same, sure, like that. I was I was okay with that, but um, the movie is simple enough. It reminds me of, this, of a pretty funny South Park episode, to be honest, but. Uh, um, you know what? I your arguments I think just killed Joe in this and gave you the win. Um, so Alex is going to get his first win based on the takedown during the Fucking argument a. stage. So yeah. yeah, good work, Alex. Proud of you. Thank you. If I lost, I was going to say this was my retirement match. So I've been bitter, <laughs> you, you're well, supposed you... to sit up beforehand and then right. come back in like a month. It, that's how yep. right And in now. that case, I would have given you the win, like, you know, five to two, so that you definitely are coming back. So, I- <laughs> <laughs> so we, we need more people in the show. Yeah. I try to keep trying to keep inviting people. And I don't yeah. know. I have a couple of friends who want to be like guest judges, but they don't want to compete. So it's yeah. a lot to commit to to do it, but it's it's fun it's to fun. actually compete in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, so. Alex gets his first win. Joe takes a tough loss, but you know he's had enough wins in this show. And the, the I, no, I have created, not. Johnny's but... had enough fucking wins. Granted, me and I Johnny know someone's got to take him down. Johnny, more someone, someone, bring it on. 
someone judging has to realize that Johnny's arguments are passionate, but not always factually correct is what I got to okay. say. But also but, uh, I show the most what? passion and I have the best arguments and listening back to our episode from last week, man, I, I, if I hadn't already won, I could have really taken down a couple of your last movies. And instead I was just like, well, I'm going to stick with one point and argue, but I'd already won, but I should have fought harder for the repeater rule. Um, as far as that goes. And if I ever lose again, I will, uh, say that this is rigged and I will retire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got to beat Johnny one time yeah. and we're good. The rest of the show. Yeah. Good um, luck. All right. Well, so that was a lot of fun to me. I, I liked, especially not knowing a lot of those movies. I found that a pretty fun episode to listen to, uh, to hear your pitches. Um, so I just want to hear. So, so to start out with our resident expert, what was your favorite pitch? Do you think of all these movies uh, that you heard today of your some of your favorites? Oh boy. Um, I don't remember. No. Sorry, guys. That's I really right. like the Halloween Town pitches. <laughs> Halloween I, Town. I, my, my, Halloween my, my, my memory's not so great on. That's all right. There's a lot of movies, a lot of references to things that. I don't know much about, so it kind of jumbles everything. But I like the both the Halloween Town pitches. I think both of those did very well. So I think that was probably um, my favorite pitch of the night from both of you guys. So okay, uh, and I want to hear from both the competitors. What were what were each of your favorite pitches from the other uh, competitor today? Well, I think my favorite pitches of Alex's was his pitch of the fucking Muppet. Johnny Tsunami. As soon as he said that, I'm like, well, fucking God yeah. damn it. I don't know why I'm coming back from yours. <laughs> you you pitched Muppet Johnny Tsunami. I know. It was no, his pitch what, against But when it, he corrected and he said oh, what oh, I should have oh, done with Muppet, I'm like, oh, oh fucking God damn it. There's no goddamn way I'm coming back from this now. And yeah, so, yeah, fixed, his pitch. fixed your pitch. When he pitched what I should have done with Muppet Johnny Tsunami, to me, that was my favorite pitch of Alex's. Thank you but for I'll, not enjoying the stuff I worked hard on. You're welcome. But honestly, that was one <laughs> of the best improvising. That was one of the best arguments I've seen against someone's movie. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I think for me, my favorite that Joe did um, was his. I liked his Phantom of the Megaplex. I I know I had to like get down to like oh, yeah. talking about the definition of a whodunit because uh, I really didn't have a whole lot to argue on. Um, but I, I think that working that as a true whodunit could be really interesting. I love those style of movies. Uh, so that was my favorite. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we sign off, um, I just want to go around the horn here and see, do you have any recommendations on anything you've been watching um, and uh, anything you're looking forward to, you know, seeing coming out soon, if you, if you know of a show or a movie, but uh, let's go around the horn. So we got Johnny, Alex, and Joe. All right, I'm going to start off with reading some stats real quick. The Muppet rule, lost twice. The Leonardo DiCaprio rule, won twice. The DMX rule, split, one loss, one win. The Oscars rule, lost twice. The Fast and Furious, one up against each other, so obviously there is one loss, uh, one win. Uh, The John Rambo rule, should have had two wins, but instead had one win, one loss. And the Charlie Sheen rule, somehow had two wins. So interested to see how those those rules uh, broke down. I wanted to kind of keep track and see, you know, what gave people an advantage or not. I think both people were maybe hindered by the Muppet rule, whereas I think, but I think both could have pitched a movie that could have won. They could have flipped those 
those Muppet rules. If Alex went more whodunit and Joe went with more of what Alex was saying. Um, so this was fun to be the consulting judge, uh, less pressure on me um, to kind of do things. I think Bobby and I pretty much agreed on everything except for the Rambo rule. Um, and that came to down closer to what we want to see Matthew Vaughn do, whether we want to see him waste his career away or make more interesting movies. And we'll see, uh, you know, one of us had a better take on that. And then, um, I, I don't know, as far as recommending movies, I haven't been able to watch anything in a while because I've been so busy, but I would just uh, recommend if you have any interest in hockey and pop culture, there's a really awesome podcast called Puck Soup. Um, I've been listening to that a lot, um, and I'm a member. That's the only thing I'm a member of Patreon for. Um, they're just a really fun uh, group of people, um, you know, talking about hockey and pop culture and, and cool things. So I know from my hockey pitch, some of our fans aren't as big of hockey fans, but I, I'd like to shout out Puck Soup and uh, recommend that podcast. That's really all I've been doing lately. All right. So Sounds good. Alex. Alex, what do you got? Awesome. Uh, for me, I think, uh, so I started watching Cobra Kai when they first released the first like two episodes for free on YouTube when it first came out. Uh, but I just started watching that on Netflix. Um, so I'm enjoying that so far. Um, and then just a podcast too, that I'll shout out, uh, not going to be a huge surprise to anybody that knows me here, but my favorite podcast is uh, We Watch Wrestling. Uh, comes out every Wednesday. Uh, it's just two comedians that talk about wrestling. If, if anybody who watches it, um, wrestling, most fans are super negative and not really fun to hear talk about it, but it's a it's two people who actually just take a funny take. One of the guys used to write for the WWE, so he's got some cool uh, insider knowledge on that aspect. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, as Johnny said, I haven't really been watching a whole lot. Uh, there's a lot of sports on right now, so um, just kind of watching all the different playoffs going on um, and Cobra Kai. There you go. All right, Joe. All right. Yeah. I've um, been like slowly watching the boys. Got to get back on that. I think guys, they just got to release the whole goddamn season and then maybe we'll get back to it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I've watched- lost interest because I'm waiting for the season to end. So yeah, it's kind of not, it's not holding my interest coming out weekly. Yeah basically the same i'll probably eventually binge it but yeah it's really the only thing i've been watching that and love island the greatest reality show going right now <laughs> wow it's the best um other than that i think next week on here uh we got tristan coming back competing uh along with newcomer mason who's been a friend of mine for a few years and then i'm a, the main host and i think bobby agreed to be the consulting judge on that yep. and i think the there's a it's another themed episode. I think they're doing horror movies through the decades with uh, horror movie from the fifties, horror movie from the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, and two thousand tens. So it'd be interesting to see a new cover, cool. new face. Especially Great. if it's all new movies we haven't done before and mostly new rules we haven't had before. So a lot of it'll be next Thursday. So a longer turnaround compared to the short turnaround that we had. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I it's always fun to get new blood onto this show. Um, and we haven't done a lot of horror movies, so I'm really looking forward to be the consultant judge and just kind of, you know, leaning back and hearing some great pitches. Um, but yeah, we, I think we had a really fun and great episode today. Um, Alex got his first win, uh, bringing his record to one and one. Um, so I think we had a lot of fun time and movies that I've never really seen or heard of. So I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, I hope everyone continues to watch our movie change up podcast and show on YouTube and all the podcast apps, feel free to leave us a rate and review and give us a like on YouTube. And we'll see you next time, uh, next Thursday at 7 PM. See you later. Peace out.